welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we are discussing Goodwill Hunting from 1997, directed by Gus Van Sant. If you're as smart as old Will Hunting, and you could work for the NSA, and you could get those codes that you knew would unlock people that could bomb villages, Mm -hmm. would you, in fact, turn those weapons upon the very job that you work at that has repeatedly made you sick? Because just a minute ago, what the people don't realize, because it's not on the podcast, that you were bitching about maybe having a throat infection. I just can't handle that. I can't handle (laughs) you having a throat infection. Uh So if you can do the equations and shit, right, if you're wicked smart, maybe you can uh, go to the NSA you can get this thing going. You can turn those bombs right on those kids you work with. You know, I think if you even do become a super smart NSA analyst, I think doing the codes doesn't turn you into a human colossus who can just point the missiles with your mind powers. Well, you can um, try. But if that is the case, yes, we could cleanse the earth of all those sweet children with autism that I work with, Dean. Yes, we could obliterate all of them. Oh, I didn't realize they were that sick. <laughs> I, th- oh, God. I thought you just... It's a joke. Everybody relax. <laughs> How dare they get me sick? Yeah. Well, here's a hot tip for your profession, Matthew. I don't want you to be like Jerry Lambeau and try to kiss all your students. Stop that. Stop I kissing know. the children. Jerry. Stop being a creepy, uh, charming professor, right? Don't do like that. All, I'll just be like all those paranoid Chinese people wearing a surgical mask all the time. Is that paranoid, Matthew? Did you just insult an entire culture, an ancient culture of people? who understand a little bit about what it's like to be shoulder to fucking shoulder and they get sick sometimes. <laughs> you know, SARS. Enough about China. Fuck China, okay? Damn. Nice. Look, everybody does this. The Chinese are very sneaky. I want to talk about the people in Beantown. Terrific city. Just <laughs> get in. They're a bunch of liberal cunts. <laughs> all right, let's Garbage talk about city. Boston. Get out, get out of there. Get out. Are you going to make it with your bad throat? You're going to be all right? Fine. We'll be fine. All right. Keep chugging water, but I'll be fine. You got a clown nose on? (laughs) Something. Because you need to wake the fuck up. Are you on antibiotics? Are they making you snoozy? I'm not. (laughs) Let's go. Your your grandfather's about to be a billionaire. You got a throat infection. And, and, you know, I need you to step up your game because you're really bumming me out tonight. All right. We doing this? We've been doing it. This is all on the pod. (laughs) This is on the podcast. Let's go. (laughs) Where are we going? Have you seen this movie before, Matt? I D indeed I fucking have when I've seen this movie I saw it when it very first came out so I was super in young. the theater um huh in the theater nah I was too young for that what year were you that born would've, that would have been a weird movie for me to see in the theater I would have been I think no eight. what year were you born what year was I born eighty nine mm-hmm. oh Jesus there we go <laughs> you were you were eight years old <laughs> yeah exactly weird movie for me as an eight year old to go I want to go see I want to go see Matt Damon work through his personal demons with therapist Robin Williams who's not funny in this movie and it's kind of scary would been right. shit would have been a shit time so talk to me about t- talk to me about your experience I, I mean to be honest my first experience seeing this movie I don't even remember super okay, well fuck that one get to the content let's go you're a pot you're a fucking professional let's go Quit lollygagging. <laughs> All right, we're fucking here. Goodwill hunting. And uh, yeah, man, to be honest, I don't have is. any super strong feeling about this movie from my first, you know, or, or more recent viewings. I've always thought it was a 
pretty good movie. Um, to good. be honest with you, I okay. always awesome. really liked Robin Williams of it, and, mm-hmm. and that that was the biggest surprise for me coming at this when I when I first saw it. When I was young, Robin Williams was to me the funny man, silly, funny cartoon man, voice of the genie. You know all the silly roles I saw him in, and that is that is one hundred percent all I knew Robin Williams as. So this hey, was ho hey I'm Robin Williams I'm just a sad clown hey ho 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 hey crazy guy ho silly ho. <laughs> Did not see that one until like two years ago. That's actually. a great movie. That's a pretty good movie. Pretty good movie. Um, okay. But no, this was. Well, this right. was... Everything's pretty good. Oh, fucking Johnny Dark Soul. Dark Soul tonight. <laughs> oh, Johnny Dark Soul. Everything's pretty good, I guess. Pretty you jumping right. up and down. Your grandfather's going to be rich. You can stop pretending that you go to work every day and, you know, fucking ride off into the sunset with all your money. Let's <laughs> That's go. That's it. Goodwill hunting. Go. Am I, am I going? Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, this was my this was my serious Robin Williams movie. Um and I kind of made me see him differently. So for a long time, all 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 I thought of with this movie was, wow, this is this is me seeing a new angle of Robin Williams. And that's kind of what it's always stayed in as my in my mind as like he has real acting power in this. And that was like a, a wake-up call for me. And to be honest, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, I didn't think about them much at all until, until later. This kind of still wasn't that movie for me. Um, I, even though I know it was like kind of the thing that kicked their career off so huge. Um, but yeah, man, so, so to be honest, like, it's weird how many people have such a very intense connection to this movie. And I get why. Um, but do you it, find that what look, yeah, you've said you've alluded to this a couple of times? What makes you say this? Do do random passersby in the street go, "Hey, you fucking homo! Have you seen Goodwill Hunting? You better do it real quick. Get down to the theater, get some popcorn, put your fucking feet up, get out your Stubbs Rewards program." Is that what they say to you? <laughs> Stubbs? What the I fuck even is that? It's a that's in Massachusetts. I can't help you. What do you want me to tell you? You're in Portland, Oregon. Where you got yeah. fucking people in pink masks beating people up. I, I don't know what kind of fucking world you live in. <laughs> no, I mean, I've just had, I've had multiple friends and people I've known where this was like kind of like one of their important movies. Like, okay. oh man, the, you know, the scene where he's told, it's okay, it's not your fault, you know, is like a big important, you know, quoted scene for them. And it's like a, a movie that's very personal to a lot okay. of friends and people that I know. Um, and for me, yeah, it was just always like, well, kind of a movie that I thought Robin Williams was really good in. <laughs> I never really thought too much about it um you know not that i like was like oh uh, fuck that movie or like anti the opinion of it being a good movie i was just kind of like a yeah it's a good movie i don't you know it's not a big thing on my radar so i've kind of tried to combat it back at it with this viewing of like what is it that people connect to so well in this movie and you know honestly it's like i'm at the at a better age to see this movie now and it makes a lot more sense to me i understand why it was such a kind of like a milestone for some of my friends as a as a movie. Right. Um, yeah, You're a late uh, bloomer, Matt. I get it. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were playing with your G.I. Joes while your friends were trying to educate you. <laughs> Tell me about ambition or whatever. Get out of my fucking room. I just like playing with my roadblock action figure, even though it makes my daddy in the South mad. <laughs> he makes him like, <laughs> he hates the imaginations I got. <laughs> Oh, no, for you, for you, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, saw it in the movie town. Well, yeah, well, kinda. But here's the hilarious irony: I saw this in the theater in Florida because I had moved to Florida for you know seven years or so, and this was right before, 
right before I was moving back. Yeah. And I, and I sort of had that, I must be so cool energy about me after this movie, you know, like that insecure thing people do, <laughs> you know, like people have that pride thing. It's really funny. Like they, they, and you know, I'm not going to pretend I don't, but like there's, I always find it fascinating though. The virtue of the accident of your birth is like a thing to people. Oh yeah. They're absolutely. like, I'm a proud blank. And I'm like, okay i like i get it because that's what you are but it's not like you chose it you just are it because you were born that you were born into that kind of thing right right but i remember i remember it was kind of cool i was like wow this is awesome i'd i'd never really i don't have a lot of memories of movies in boston that uh were that seemed like pretty cool you know i was like oh this is this is awesome and i was at a really good age to be watching this movie right i i'd not that i was a genius but i'm Hey guys, real quick. I'm a, I'm in a, I'm a podcaster. Okay. I'm 43. So to say I understand will is an understatement to understand what I, I don't know what I want. I have no fucking clue. I'm not sure. I wasn't blessed with the, Oh, I'm 18. I know exactly what I want. I'm going to college. Perfect. Now I'm a teacher. Yay. Now I got three kids and I'm super happy. Like I don't have that in me. And I'm not saying people who do are worse or better. I'm just telling you the way I am. So that part of this movie definitely spoke to me like the the sort of wayward kind of thing and and not until many years later did i realize that so much of that is wrapped up in fear and anxiety the the idea of failing and stuff like that being a a, a roadblock for you and in finally getting the sack to to sort of be like all right i'm gonna just do these things that i want to do you know so that right. part of it definitely spoke to me i get that you know the blue collar camaraderie i definitely get that um that's you know, where I spent a lot of my time as a kid. And I've, I've said, I've talked about my old man many times on this. He doesn't get more blue collar. And, (laughs) um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I wasn't a punk though. Like I wasn't, I wasn't somebody getting arrested that that was never who I was. I had family in law enforcement. So they were that kind of side of the blue collar piece. And then, and then the rest of them were house builders and shit and a couple of school teachers as grandparents and stuff like that. So yeah, like I, that this part of it spoke to me. Not to say that it can if you don't grow up. You could grow up a white collar person and still get this movie. It doesn't, that's movies, that's cinema. We're people, we can empathize, we get it, you know? Right. You don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be one of these people who goes, oh, I get this movie better because I can relate to the, this part. No, it's not, it's not about that. It's very relatable. It just happened to personally speak to me uh, on some, in some ways, because of the relationship that these characters had with each other, with their futures, with themselves. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely get it. I, uh, it, it spoke to me, I guess is an easy way to say it. And I think it's, it's pretty, I think it's, I watched it again. I thought that maybe some of the shine of it was going to wear off and some of it did. I think yeah. most notably with, um, with, um, God, I hate to do this, but some of it with Ben Affleck, like some of it's, some of the script to me is, is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Matt Damon being like, all right, I want my friend to get some acting roles. So I'm going to give him some scenes that are kind of pointless, but (laughs) here they are. So with the exception of that really awesome scene at the end where he's basically telling Will to straighten the fuck out. Right. Um, I thought that was really good. Very honest, great advice from a friend. Most friends are, you know, friends like these, man, these are real, these are real ass dudes. Like I like this, I like this camaraderie. I like this closeness and, despite the, you know, in the ball break and everything else. And, and, you know, people call this shit bullying now. It isn't, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's something like we talked about in Princess Mononoke. It's this idea of 
you know, in, in a strange way, nature testing you to see if you can contribute to the tribe, you know, and, and if you're weak, making sure you overcome those weaknesses and, uh, and kind of going from there. And I know people might not want to say that I'm not apologizing for people who are obscenely cruel to other people and bullying and all that shit. But, but there is something to be said about, you know, toughen you up type of shit. And, um, right. and especially if you want to sort of survive in this, in this kind of world and, and uh, yeah, you see that Morgan is kind of like the verbal beating post of the group, but he's right there with them when they get into the fist fight and shit like that. So, you know, it's um, it's cool. It's a, it's it's uh, I I enjoy the movie. Um, I like this stuff, but but let's let's be real. The the bulk of this movie is Will and Sean, of course, uh, Matt Damon as Will, and of course, the late great Robin Williams as Sean, and their relationship in getting to the bottom of all this. And, um, this was something as a young man, I, I kind of understood. I, I more related to the fun in the car in, in, in the shit talking than I did to the other stuff. But boy, the older you get and the more wisdom I get, you know, the more self-aware I become, which took me longer than maybe most people is I start to go, wow, this is really good shit between these two. This is very realistic, very good dialogue. And, um, and it made me kind of double back and appreciate the movie even more because you have these two young guys in Will, I mean, in, in Damon and Affleck sort of writing this and you go, wow, right. this is really good writing for young guys. We just talked about this on our bonus episode where I said, Eddie Murphy's comedy specials came out when he was like 22 and 23. Like that's fucking bananas. That's yeah, like some really. genius shit. And listen, I'm not saying it's genius shit, but you know, imagine trying to write this when you're not even 30. Like, come on, man. Like yeah. young guys writing this shit. This is really impressive. So there's a lot to like, and uh, you know, there's there's other things I'm sure we'll critique as well as we get into it. And um, I'm looking forward to to diving in this bad boy. But yeah, that's that's kind of my history with it. That's kind of where I land with Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, nice. Still no. pretty high on this baby. Yeah, I would say so. I am. Yeah, I'm not low on it. That's for sure. And I'm not average on it. I think it's a good movie. Indeed. So well. Oh, do you do you have do you want to add something? Well, I was going to say, you want to I mean, dazzle we, the people with your uh, observations and your input? <laughs> that is what we're here for. Let's, let's go ahead. Let me see what you uh, got. Go ahead. Jump on the clock. Punch in. I'm just jumping into it. I mean, as far as pretty much we dive into the life of Will from this point forward. I mean. Oh, we're going. We're starting? That part? We're, fucking, we're in it. We're going. We're in. All right. Where's the beginning of the movie? What's he doing? What's our smart boy doing? He's reading a book, of course. Alone in his shabby little apartment all by himself reading a book. Uh, and gets picked up by his friend Chuck, played by Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. And off he goes to work. Yeah, so essentially, the way we tackle this is, I, I would say we got about a 40-minute discussion. I mean, a, I mean, a 40 minutes of movie right. before we get to Sean and his relationship with Will, the beginnings of that. Right. And uh, he- essentially, for 40 minutes, we have a variety of scenes where we are establishing Will, who he is, uh, his friendships, uh, his relationship with those friends, what he does, what his work is, how he blows off steam, um, and, and that sort of culminates in a fist fight, which ends up putting him in the care of our guy, Sean, through Lambeau, Jerry Lambeau. By the way, Skarsgård, your boy. I know. I've completely mm. forgotten that he was in this movie. I know. This is who I always think of when you talk about your uh, your guy, except maybe more rough around the edges. <laughs> I was about to say, not with the long, skinny scarf, though. <laughs> that <laughs> long, skinny scarf. What do you think about that? You're not into that? 
I'm not into it. I am not yeah. into scarves. You know, like, I'm not super into scarves when it's even, you know, the season's appropriate. Yeah, I don't, I hate them. I mean, they're, they're handy when you really need it. If you need that little extra layer just around the neck, fine. But dude, all the time, the flaily, skinny scarf, come on. Go fuck come yourself, on. basically. It's like, it's a go fuck yourself. You're like, that's yeah. one step down from an ascot. You're kind of hoping maybe the T door shuts with it in it and it drags him across the tracks a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. The cleanest tea in Boston, by the way, in this movie. Holy shit. Did they send the cleaning crews into that fucking thing? It was they glistening. Did, they had to disinfect it before they let their <laughs> I never seen a chlamydia from the seat. I've I, I never seen a tea that clean in my whole fucking life. Holy shit. That was funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, but, this, I mean, like you were saying, this pretty, pretty much goes into the whole layout of, of Will's life and where he's at currently and, and what, how he spends his time. And, you know, we learned that he's a janitor at MIT. Mm. Uh, and we get to see you know Jerry talking to his students and and posing a problem out on the hallway that anybody can approach and try and solve. Um, and at the same time, he's just out cleaning, being a janitor, and going out to the bar with his friends. And you kind of get you get the sense that what he does with with Chucky here in these scenes where he goes out with Morgan and they're drinking all night, talking about the same girls. That this is pretty much their life. This is what every day for them pretty much looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and nothing wrong with it, is there? Yeah. They're, they're good friends. They're hanging yeah. out, drinking. Having a good time. But uh, yeah, some of this funny shit and talking about the Irish curse. And I didn't get up on Kathy last night. She's got skin problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, how, I love how it starts out with Chucky being like, oh, she didn't let me at. I don't know what the deal is. And then when he asks, she's like, fuck you, <laughs> Irish curse. And he's like, yeah, she's gross. She's got skin problems. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Like, I don't even want to, dude. Where are you going? Fuck you. You're taking off. It's only 10 o'clock. <laughs> Got to go but, home and uh, practice you know, his math. You know who's an underappreciated man in this movie? Who? Their their buddy Billy, played by Cole Hauser. Yeah, he's good. He's 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 very like Billy. Billy is the hard ass. Like a lot of these guys, are like yeah, we're tough. But he's like the I'm a fucking like I'm a killer. Like he, you know, <laughs> he's like the strong, silent type. Oh, totally. Yeah, he's the guy like, you I'll, want in your corner you. when you when you when you fight the guineas on the basketball court, right? <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> that's the guy you want in your corner. He's the one. He's the jawbreaker. Yeah, he's the. He's like, wait, why is he stepping on his face? <laughs> well, he's he's unconscious. Why are you still kicking him in the head? It's so escalated now. <laughs> Holy Fuck, shit, Billy, relax. <laughs> I don't want his. I want him to fucking die. Kick him in his head. <laughs> just fucking booting him. Just keeps putting the. Stomping on him, <laughs> give him the old Mystic River. Yeah, exactly. Not letting him, let him go. Your kids are gonna be fucking orphans. <laughs> but yeah, it's just sort of a, it's it's got a montage feel to it. Him hanging out with the boys, uh, him leaving, him doing the equation. We see him working on it very briefly, and then we get to the batting cages scene, which and is I, good. I love how when we see him working on that equation, it's from a shot that's way down the hall. It's pulled away from him, uh, and he's very small, and he waits until no one else is around. He's like, mm-hmm. he's embarrassed of his own intelligence in a, in a lot of ways. Like he doesn't, or at least he doesn't want it to be uh, the focus of attention. He's just kind of, it's a, it's a weird how he thinks about his own intelligence. So he's afraid to kind of show it. In a way, in a way, yeah. yeah Especially unless it's in a situation among his friends that it, that it comes out as useful. Well, well, yeah, anything to, he's going to defend the pack with whatever he can, you know? Right. But yeah, he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to talk about, he doesn't want the attention on him for that, I guess you'd say. Yeah, that's right. right. Stop crowding the plate. You're going to get charged. You know that. 
You think I'm afraid of you, you big fuck? <laughs> yeah, big fuck. So they're having a good time in the batting cages. And, um, this is when they talk about going down to the, the Harvard bar. Fuck up some smart kids. <laughs> You'll fit right in. Um, and this is really, this is really cut against Jerry Lambeau, of course, this decorated professor. He's got awards. This is MIT big shot, arrogant as hell. Oh, so arrogant. A little creepy. A little creepy. Uh, it's cut against him, and, and somebody's like, oh, wow, they, you know, his, his thing got solved. And um, he can't, can't, quite, can't quite believe it. And he's like, wow. And he's, of course, going to write another Indian kid. So like, did you do this? He's like, no, I did not. And, <laughs> no. um, and he's just not sure who it is, which is really cool. I like that. I like that's a good hook, and it happens within 10 minutes. Yeah, within that's ten a, minutes. You know, that's a good point. That is something as far as like the screenplay structure we should talk about. Of it's really it good. Is you know it, it's very simple in a lot of ways. It's very simple, but mm-hmm. it's very effective. Like it is well structured. It's very you don't get lost in anything. And I think that's an amazing adds screenplay. to the strength of it. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Uh, and it's cool. uh, an award winning right. screenplay. Actually, there you go. Yeah, Oscar winner. They fucking won an Oscar for this. <laughs> Their first screenplay. fucking movie they wrote. And Robin Williams, by the way, it should be noted, best actor in a supporting role. And they oh, got nominated right. for uh, picture, actor in leading role, Damon, uh, Sir Damon, Mini Driver, Lawrence Bender, Gus Van Zandt, the director, editor, Pietro Scalia, Elliot Smith for his original music, and Danny Elfman got nominated. By the way, that's a bullshit nomination. Danny Elfman's music can suck a fat dude. <laughs> Danny Elfman's music can stick a big fat fucking cock in the back of his mouth and choke on it till he pukes on his fucking shoes, as far as I can see. <laughs> fucking tweedly D bullshit fucking Boompa Loompa fucking Augustus Group bullshit music. Oh, fuck yourself, Danny Elfman. That was one thing I wanted to bring up in here because I know boom, we are boom, each boom, boom. pretty fucking high on Danny Elfman. As yeah, he's a got great scores. He's, he's got, got great, great scores. scores. I mean, the fucking Batman score shit's amazing. So many good scores. And uh, with this movie, that's like the one thing that kind of stuck <laughs> out so weird. Of like, boy, this music's not very good. It's like, goofy. It's it's, it's, it's like this music sounds like the parody music in an SNL like commercial or parody of an Oscar winning movie. Like It's like so on the nose. And it like, is an Oscar winning movie. I know, but I'm saying like it would be. It's the music that would be in the background of an SNL parody oh, of Oscar Roger bait that. movie. I missed that you know part. what I mean? Yes. Of just like it's so cartoonish. Like, dude, it's fucking. You so know weird. what else? Ha- you know what else suffers from this? Mm. And in me and Johnny Butters and um, Jesse just went to see it in the theater. We went to see. Um, we went to see Saving Private Ryan when it came in for that like day. Oh yeah, and we were like, the boy, the music's kind of goofy. <laughs> Like it really goofies up the movie and it's John Williams and it got nominated as well. In fact, it may have won. No, it didn't win. It didn't win. But for me, that movie, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember the goofiness of the music, but I remember it being there a lot. When they're talking and there's all these like these brass trills and you're like, okay. It was like constant. Yeah. Constant. And it's similar in this. You're like, okay, movie, stop. (laughs) It's enough music movie. Easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Good. It's, and I, uh, and like you said, I do enjoy Daniel. I think he's a talented guy. I think he's excellent. Yeah. yeah, I think he fell into the he fell into the gravity of Tim Burton for better and for worse. Which <laughs> was he ended up doing a lot of like movies no one cares that much about. But of course, you know, he did The Simpsons. He did a ton of TV. Um, the the what's the second Batman movie called? We cover it. Batman. Oh, Batman Returns. Returns. 
Great score in that one. I love it. He's responsible for the you know that's a great piece of music. He's, he's written great stuff. Oingo Boingo. He's a great singer. I mean, he's done he's done it all. But well, um, this one, it, it just it's out of place. It's out yes. of place. It's out of place, and it's just too often. Like it's just in scenes where I'm like, there yes. shouldn't be any music here. Like yeah, none. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking distracting. After a while, We've, we're fond of saying less is more. Yeah, indeed. And uh, it could have used a lot less in this movie. Just uh, less in general. Yeah. But one day, <laughs> back to our boy Will Hunting, one day, uh, <laughs> as, as they're out at the park, I just love how <laughs> there's no particular animosity they have toward this guy that, that, that Will sees. It. He's just like, oh, yeah, he's the guy who used to kick the shit out of me back in kindergarten. And they're like, that guy? Mm, okay. And they all just kind of note it in their heads. Like, all right, that guy. Fuck him. And what prompts it is when they're an asshole to the girl, they walk by. That's it. Like they, they talk him. shit to her and, and then they're like, hold on, pull over. If you're not out there in two fucking seconds when I'm done with them, I'm coming in here for you. <laughs> what Chucky says at the morning. I love that now I know that these two are actually brothers. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, ah, perfect. that makes so much more sense. That's his actual little brother. It's perfect. Yeah. Of course I, I really like Casey that. Affleck. I like him. I think he's better than Ben Affleck as an actor, to be honest with you. Casey Affleck? Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, I think he is stronger. Yeah, he's good. He's great in, in Manchester by the Sea. I still need to see that. We seen the guy 15 minutes ago. We should have fought him then. We got snacks now. <laughs> we got snacks now. I want to drop my burger. I fucking love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Fuck. And then, you know, and I, not to try and pile on, but to be honest, one of the other, one of the very few other scenes in this movie where I go, Bang. huh? This is kind of weird and out of place. Is this cartoonish fight? I find the fight really odd i'm like in one sense I, I i kind of i feel like i get what they're going for in that it's like this over the top moment that will keeps finding himself in and like this is this is kind of the problem with his life and his friends that they they get pulled into the just the energy of these kinds of like conflicts and these situations and he can't can't pull himself out of it can't realize how you know pointless this is and there's this kind of like big bombastic high zoom in you know slow motion so I'm like, uh, are you trying to show me that he's just kind of drawn to this and this is something he can't help? But I don't know. There's just a weird way they portray this fight. I don't know how you feel about it. I like it. I mean, Will goes to fucking town on the one guy, and obviously he used to be his bully, so there's that. Yeah. Um, I, what, what is it you don't like about it? Is it the slow motion? I, the, honestly, the, the, the extremely zoomed in focuses and the slow motion, I think, is just weird It's just, and, and unnecessary. I uh-huh. think it works pretty well, and I'll explain why. Because it's very yeah. chaotic. Um, I, I, there's something about the slow motion where it's it sort of the thing I like about it is when it kicks off in slow motion, it is just sort of like us being told this fucking kid, what is he doing? You know, you that's the impression I get right away. He punches the guy. He f- falls awkwardly into the other guy. He's looking around. He gets punched. We see Billy throwing a guy up against the fence, Billy beating somebody's fucking head in, uh, you know, guys getting punched. Everyone's getting, it's just a goddamn, it's a uh, goddamn free for all. It's a, it's a mess. Yeah. And, uh, some of the closer, it's awkward and unbalanced and Morgan running in and booting the guy in the face. I love, like, I love that moment. I think it's great. <laughs> great but, entrance um, to a fight. But, but the, the meat of this fight isn't just the fight. It's the, when he mounts that guy, Yes, and he just yeah. crushes his face over and over again. Um, yeah, that and I don't then, mind at all. And then, and then when the, I mean, it's he's got rage. Like we learn, he's got exactly. some rage issues. It's really bad. I mean, his friends pull him off. The cops show up. Thanks for coming out, fellas. I love that line. 
<laughs> That's such a smart ass, like hilarious line. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> Thanks, fellas. <laughs> but um, yeah, he gets yeah. They toss him on the street. They cuff him, and they're taking him in. But yeah, I like I, I like what it means. Is I think maybe I think maybe they were trying. May, may, maybe it's a possibility that they were trying to do a little bit too much in the fight itself, but. I feel like they didn't want it to be like this clean, well choreographed thing. They just wanted it to be kind of messy. And maybe right. the slow motion assisted with that because they're not like trained fighters, you know? Right. I don't know. For me, I, I took it almost the opposite sense of the slow motion kind of focuses on the the awkwardness of a fight of the fight, and maybe that's what they're going for. But it, it just That's what I mean. That's it what made I just it said, look kinda. so cartoonish and strange and just weird. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't get it. I, I, I was more focused on like, yeah, we should just show the ferocity of Will throwing himself at this guy and, and mounting him and just beating his face. And I'm like, that's the that's the focus here. Will is Will is really throwing all his rage into this one. I think guy. that's part of the focus, and the other part is them helping each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think Morgan showing up is kind of like you think this kid's going to be a pussy because he's you know the verbal beating post, the guy whose balls gets busted the most, the youngest guy in the group, you would say probably. Right. Yet he runs in and fucking boots that guy off his front and, and beats some dudes up himself. I, I think they were showing, A, the kind of lifestyle they lead, B, the solidarity they have for with, with each other, and then, of course, finally, Will's rage to the point where he's so worked up, he takes a swing at a cop, and that's what and that's sends it. him on this whole fucking path. There we go. You hit a cop. Down he goes. Your Honor. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, this, the, 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 we see Lambeau and he's like, oh, right. this has kind of become a, a, a minor scandal in a, in a way, in a good way that people right. are all like fascinated about who's the mysterious person who solved this, you know, intensive problem. And to everyone's shock, as well as Jerry Lambeau's, uh, nobody stands up when he asks, right. Well, all right, well, this mysterious rogue step forward and receive your prize. Nobody owns up to it. Nobody, everybody's looking around at each other. And he basically says, all right, well, we're going to pose another problem. <laughs> we're going to put another mm-hmm. one out there. Much harder. It took us two years to solve. So the gauntlet has been thrown down. We will yep. do this. We'll find our, our, our mysterious you know, mathematical genius by challenging him some more. Right. Which leads to a brief encounter after he gets out of, you know, uh, Chucky picks him up out of jail because he gets arrested, of course. And uh, he bails him out, I guess. And right. then we have um, we have the situation where he has solved the goddamn puzzle on the board. And Yet again. And astonished, they go, it's right. After they kind of, he's like, wait, hold on, fuck you. And he leaves, <laughs> like they're trying to get him to stop. He doesn't want any part of this. He just, it was a, you know, like a mental exercise to him, a challenge. So he did it, but he doesn't want to talk about it. He's not interested in conversing or communicating whatsoever. So right. he takes off and- and they go, wow, it, it's right. Holy shit. <laughs> Who is this kid? <laughs> but he does get fired, uh, which I do find interesting because I'm like, who who got him fired? Because at this point, Jerry, I'm sure, is like looking for him. He's already curious. Because they were restructuring the amount of retards they had working for him. <laughs> <laughs> Management restructuring. <laughs> you get canned more than tuna, bitch. At least I got a motherfucking job right now, don't I? Good chirping. Good chirping. Yeah. I'm walking down the street, having fun. Everybody's, they're all fucking busting, each ball, busting balls, but they all are smiling, you know? Right, right. And, well, this, uh, is, this is the night of heading over to the Harvard bar. Not normally yeah. where, they, where they go. Yeah, I love that they, they, they know the door guy. That's fucking classic. <laughs> Going in the side hatch. 
Indeed. Which obviously yeah. means they've been here before. What's up, Casey? Yeah, what's up? They all kind of walk in. Uh, so they must know Casey, but they seem unfamiliar with the bar. The way they look around, I thought there'd be equations and shit on the wall. That's a good line. <laughs> it's a Harvard bar, huh? Oh, yeah. looks like normal. But here's where I feel like I appreciate the effort out of Affleck, but it, but the 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 like the the like putting on his game face. Hold on, I gotta go check out the hotties at the end of the bar. The Harvard the Harvard hotties. Yeah. I'm like, all right, you're a goof. Like, whatever. Come on, dude. <laughs> but it leads to the Skylar piece through this fucking jabroni, right? Right, right. And I, mean, I feel like that that kind of does play into his character. Otherwise, this guy wouldn't have even noticed him, that he's just the, he's the big fucking goofy one. He's like kind of, you know, trying to start the conversation by being like obviously silly with these girls and, and Chuck, like kind yeah, of yeah, obviously yeah. lying. Like, I think he knows that they don't believe him. Right. But this guy has to come over and just be like a fuckhead about but it. But he's doing it with a smile. And this exactly. Clark guy has his inferiority complex. And, you know, he's from wherever the fuck he's from, who knows? And he's like, oh, I'm going to bust this, I'm going to bust this fucking, uh, you know, townies <laughs> balls and make them, make them look stupid in front of these girls, which just makes him look utterly insecure and douchey, which is exactly what he is. Exactly. But again, why the screenplay works so well is there's nothing really wasted. Okay. Right. Every scene plays a factor in revealing us something about the main character or moving the plot forward. Your rules in screenwriting are move the plot forward or reveal information about the main character. That's why this screenplay won a fucking award because it does that every time. You think, oh, what is Affleck doing? And yes, I know I'm beating him up a little by saying, oh, he's he's just getting in some, you know, he's part of the, he's one of the writers, so he's going to give himself some moments so people go, oh, this kid's an actor. Hire him. Look at him. This great bar moment when he goes up before this guy Clark shows up. (laughs) And little moments for him, you know, which is fine. It's fine. Whatever. Um, But, but it matters because this gets us to Skylar. This this introduces to Skylar, and it which is a plot a, moving the plot forward, and it helps us reveal something about Will. Which is we already know he's pretty goddamn smart with the equations. Is he just a math whiz? No, he's really smart about a lot of different things. Um, and we're and that's what we establish up until we meet Sean, because we got this, and then we got his trial. You know, so all of this stuff is very important. But right. um, I. <laughs> I, this shit, man, when he's just trying to make him look stupid, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just having fun with my new friend. This guy is so punchable. Ah, uh, he's such a scumbag. And I'm like, the sloppiness of the ponytail just bothers me too. I'm like, for one, it's, you have a ponytail. It's already like ugh, a little, a little bit annoying. And then you got the fucking sloppy, like, oh, kind of pieces of it are just coming out. I just don't even notice. Uh, just, I'm just that guy. Man, uh, college people just aren't this smart. Like even Clark to recall some of these quotes. I'm like, man. Dude, yeah. That's you know like, what I mean? Like most, I'm not trying to be an asshole, but no, it's, but, it's, it's rare, right? I mean, they're kids. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, know. even fucking a lot of professional historians couldn't pull some of the specific figures and shit up as fast as this. It's like, damn, right. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. But I do I like that he get says- it, you're genius. No, no, I'm talking about Will, I'm get, I get the genius, but I'm saying even for Clark, even who's for a fucking Clark, yeah. putz- like to know the shit he knows, we're like, damn, like even because, you know, most people don't know shit. They look it up and then they post on Facebook and pretend they didn't just look it up. You know what I mean? Like that's what people <laughs> exactly. do. They post something on social media that they just looked up. And I've done it before, you know, like that's just what we do. We, we think of a fact and then we pull it up and we don't remember it. We don't know it. We couldn't regurgitate it in a fucking bar. 
That's for sure. <laughs> uh, that time has passed. Maybe in 97. Maybe in 97, that's how we were as creatures. <laughs> yeah. Maybe our brains have just been smoothed out by the internet. I, I, I like this, though. He's like, well, at least I won't be unoriginal. And he's like, yeah, well, I'll have a degree. God, the value of a degree. Ugh. It's yep. really dropped over time as well, unless you're in some sort of <laughs> specific vocation. Like if you're a fucking doctor or a computer man or a lawyer. But um, my boy's wicked smart. Boy's wicked smart. And I love how at the end of the day, he's still just like, well, you know, we can still just settle this outside if you really need to. Yeah, because <laughs> like, the guys yeah, are taking personal. The wits thing, but I could also just fucking curb stomp your ass. Right. And I, you know I will do it. Because the guy starts getting personal with him, you know? That's it. Yeah, and he's like, okay, if we want to play dirty, then here's what we're going to do. But, <laughs> but he comes to his friend's aid, and that's a moment where he's not afraid to display his wit and his intelligence and his genius, to be frank. And that's why, because he's defending his friend, and then he's trying to make his friend look like a fucking fool. And he ain't, gonna, he ain't having that. He's got Chucky's back. That's it. That's it. It is a perfect tell on Will's character, too, that, you know, for one, it kind of leads right into this conversation he ends up having with Skylar, but that he wasn't even down there to try and talk to anyone himself. He just was kind of there, you know, keeping Chucky's back. And then when something happened, he stepped in to help defend his friend. He wasn't even thinking about talking to these girls at all. No, not at all. Uh, and then Skylar has, has to come by and be like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I've been right. sitting down there for 45 minutes waiting for you to come over and talk to me. I've been staring at you. Yeah, that's good. It's a good scene. It's a really if, good scene. Dude, the, for me, the, the the kind of the gym in this movie that I just did not remember at all coming into it this time was Skylar, Minnie Driver's character. I think she's fucking fantastic in this movie. And it just, you know, the from character I saw this, or the performance? Both, honestly. What about, what? tell me about her character a little bit. I mean, just the way in which she pushes Will but doesn't push him too hard. Like, I feel like she is this pretty insightful person who actually kind of starts to figure him out. And obviously that's what ends up scaring him uh, about her, but she's never unfair with him. She's actually very kind and forgiving. And I think she's like a, just a really cool person. <laughs> I'm I, like, shit, I, this, is, this would be a great person to meet at a bar. Damn, you really did hit the jackpot. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I know I know. there's some criticism about, does she just exist to push the Will character forward? Is she, you know, that kind of, Mary Sue type in the in the script like does she have she doesn't really have her own beginning and middle and end she doesn't you know but I guess you could argue the same about any of the characters outside right. of Sean and Will and Will and you know it's, I mean I I sort of see where that's coming from but I would argue against it on the grounds that she doesn't sit around and wait for him she does fucking leave like and, uh, and yeah and absolutely at and the, the end of the day that, like yeah she's not living her life centered around Will she's like look <laughs> you know I, I want you to come with me and if you're not I'm going the thing I like that. about her character is the fact that she is is a bit of a reflection on his own fears and insecurities because she does kind of have it figured out and she has a plan and she's going to execute that plan. Right. You know, she 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 does have her mind set on other things. She has her mindset on achieving things where Will really just doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Will is aimless. He's driftless, right? Or drifting yeah. and aimless, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. And she isn't. She's focused and working and trying to do her thing and, you know, and that's that's kind of what we see. She she might be the one character in the movie with actual ambition compared to every other character in the movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, right. And that doesn't mean, and, and I just want to make this clear because I don't always associate biz with, uh, what did I just say? Ambition. I don't always associate ambition with virtue. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if I do that because there is a lot of wisdom in some of what Will says when he's firing back at Sean later 
about there's there's nobility in building a house. Like I, I really can speak to that. You know, there is. Right. And that's some stuff I can't wait to get to. But yeah, me too. But my point uh, is ambition I think is a positive trait. I just don't know if it always necessary. I mean, yeah, Hitler was ambitious. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> Very ambitious. A real go-getter, one might even say. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. He had some real he had some real fucking big ideas that one. <laughs> But, um, All before he sprayed those ideas over the ceiling and, and a bunker in 1945. Hmm, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, this uh, yeah, this essentially this leads to, I got a number, how you like them apples? Classic line, all his Classic. buddies laugh. They, I, I love that moment where they all laugh and kind of hug him and push him and they all walk down the street. Just that kind of friendship, you know, Billy right. grabbing him and shit. They all then, they got each other's backs when something bad's going down, and they also have each other when something good is happening. When they're they can laugh together, right? Uh, and yeah, basically, it doesn't really matter. We know we know Lambeau is now hot on the trail for for Will, and um, this leads us to Will's trial, <laughs> where he defends himself. Willie boy defending himself. God bless him. God bless him, but also don't do that. I don't care if you're a genius, don't do that. <laughs> don't defend yourself, yeah. That's the first thing a lawyer will tell you. <laughs> don't fucking do that. <laughs> you Not good. Don't take the stand in your own trial. But <laughs> yeah, seriously. He doesn't really have anybody, but I love the fucking quote. I mean, you know me, pal. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> uh, without liberty, there- man is a syncope. There is a legal, there is a lengthy legal precedent, Your Honor, going back to 1789, whereby a defendant can claim self-defense against an agent of the government if that act is deemed a defense against tyranny, a defense of liberty. <laughs> you had a cop, you're going in. Yo, had a cop. <laughs> That's it, because he's done Honor. this before, and he's evidently gotten most of his prior cases thrown out. And I feel like this is, yeah, this just landed in the lap of the one judge who's like, okay, I see. You, this is what you do. You get it thrown out. You're fucking super smart. You know all these legal precedents, these obscure fucking citations. <laughs> but no, you're going to have to pay some consequences, smarty. Yeah, mayhem, theft. Mayhem, what a great charge. Mayhem, <laughs> that's the coolest fucking charge to have on your record. Just oh, fucking yeah. mayhem. That's right. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. But he gets tossed. He gets tossed into jail with a $50,000 bail. You, so, think, uh, you think these guys can come up with that? I don't think that one's going to happen. No, it's not yeah. going to happen. But That's hopefully true. there's some uh, some rich, prestigious professor who can come and schmooze it up with a judge for you. Yeah, and obviously because of his, because of, he, you know, he, he gives he gives Scholar a quick call, doesn't really matter. But um, he meets Gerald Lambeau finally. The professor you told to go fuck himself. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Here he is. Here he is. And he basically, He's spoken to the judge. He's agreed to release you under my supervision. Yeah. And you got to do maths with me, and you got to see a therapist. What a country. <laughs> what a beautiful country. <laughs> as long as you're good at math, we'll let you out. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, basically, Will's like, all right, I'll do the math, but fuck the shrinks. And he's like, right. how about jail? Okay, so he agrees. <laughs> Exactly. That's kind of, a, I mean, like, what argument is that? Like, ah, well, I'm yeah. not going to do the other part of your thing. Well, the other alternative is going back yeah. to jail. Like, Want to go to jail? You, really? You <laughs> yeah. care? But no, I mean, he's resistant to that. Like, we are, that's like our first little, you know, hint that he has been through that before. He has talked to therapists before and is pretty against it. Right. 
Quite obviously. What do you think of like the the little, we're going to do math montage, the tossling of the head, the commitment to the fucking, the commitment to the scarf and Tom Salieri (laughs) lurking in the corner as the Ah. professor shows the new boy attention? Oh my God. That's so good. Tom's got to go. Tom's got to (laughs) go. (laughs) <laughs> I just love to where I'm like, and it's, it's honestly, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine in this movie, but I still love fun to when, tease. W- what? It's still fun to tease. Oh God. Yeah. But like the, when movies have to do a, a, like convince us that this character is like a genius scientist, a genius mathematician, like whatever. And obviously Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are not genius mathematicians. And I'm sure they consulted with real ones for this and the shit they're actually writing or whatever. Sure. But it's still just like, I love scenes later on too, where they're like, look, you just see a character looking at a paper. Like you don't even see what's on it. And they're just like, oh, this math. Like they're just like, <laughs> so they just have to react. Like they're seeing, you know, the cure to cancer spelled out. Oh, this math is astounding. So much better than my math. <laughs> it's just so fucking funny. I'm so, I like when he when he comes up to the chalkboard in this scene and taps three times. Like, nah, check this out. Look at my fucking wicked math. He's gonna kick your math's ass. Oh, it's gonna fucking stomp all over your lily ass bitch math. Your fucking math is wicked queer, professor. Look at these numbers. <laughs> you ain't never seen me do cross outs and fours like this, have you? Huh? Look at this uh, big, beefy four. Your fucking math couldn't carry my math goddamn jockstrap. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I got a hard throbbing variable right up mm-hmm. here. Look at this. That's right. My math's fucking your math's wife. What do you think of that shit? <laughs> <laughs> my equation <laughs> fucked your theorem in the ass. <laughs> oh, oh, look. It's Professor Lambeau. Big, big shot with his fucking awards from MIT. Oh, there's his math getting rammed in the asshole. <laughs> by all my smarter math. Oh, take that. Raw dog in your math really hard there, professor. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. fuck. Hope your little Igor back there doesn't get insulted. <laughs> Me and my fucking awesome throbbing hot math. <laughs> Scoreboard. Looks like Willie's up on you there, fucking Lambo. <laughs> yeah. Just balling up paper and bouncing them off the back of his head. <laughs> I have a funny feeling that poor Tommy Salieri's going to get it tonight. <laughs> You're going to hate fuck him. <laughs> that fucking scarf's got to go, though. It's got to go. Ooh, the scarf is rough. Even when he's just in a t-shirt. I'm, I'm sorry. When you're in a t-shirt and you still have a scarf around it, like, what? Hey, what the fuck are you doing? Maybe I mean, he was trying really? to uh, warn Robin Williams or something. <laughs> no? Low. 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 No, you don't think so? To not do the same thing because it looks ridiculous. I'm making a comment on his wardrobe, Matt. What are you, oh, talk- what are you talking about? Advice. Yeah, I don't, oh, I've just been set up is all. Is pretty much all it is. Oh, okay. Jeez. <laughs> I wasn't going to go dark. Jesus, relax. I'm just saying I'm glad Sean wasn't wearing a fucking scarf in this because it would have looked ridiculous. And, and it was... <laughs> Sean already won too many. <laughs> that's probably one of the things that, sh- that split Sean and Lambeau up, actually. I wasn't making a fucking hanging joke. They're what great scarf feud. He's like, ooh, ha, ooh, ha, ha, hey, ha. I hate that scar. Ooh, ha. Good morning, Vietnam. Hey, ooh, ha. I know something about everybody. Hey, I'm Robin Williams. Hey, Just schizophrenic, I guess. <laughs> He's so fucking frantic. <laughs> the pile of coke on his face. But um, the, he reads the professors. Let's talk about the professional. Tom Foolery, no more ballyhoo. This fucking guy. <laughs> this fucking guy. He reads his book before he goes in, of course. I do like that. Ugh. He's, I like, I like, this is good stuff here. I like when he fucks with them. And, you know, you start dancing. 
boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Do you find it hard to hide the fact that you're gay? <laughs> <laughs> don't care if you putt from the rough. So good. Look, I don't care. <laughs> he tells him. <laughs> and he just has the most... The most stuffy, old, fancy oh, professor great. reaction. What, what could you possibly be? What are you on of? <laughs> what do you mean, Gary? <laughs> just straightening stacks of paper. <laughs> I got black eyes. outrageous. <laughs> He's just truly throw, insane, you know. <laughs> throwing multiple scarves over his neck, one over the other shoulder, one over this shoulder. <laughs> I can't even like that more. Yeah. This fucking guy. But yeah, he's just blasting through therapists, pretty much. A montage of him just blasting through all of them. And nothing, says, uh, nothing says professor like that goddamn Oxford button down, buttoned real tight with that blazer over it, too. Oh, man. So, professor. An absolute lunatic he is. Yes. <laughs> I've never heard anything. Like, really? He's a lunatic, dude? Right. You haven't had a guy go in there and be like, I want to fuck children. <laughs> or be like, I'm God. Come on, dude. He's a lunatic because he told you you were gay. Relax. Don't take <laughs> yourself so seriously. Way. That's what happens when you write a book. Suddenly you think you're so fucking hot shit. You take yourself way too seriously. That's his problem. <laughs> but, uh, uh, dude, the scene of him trying to be hypnotized. Touching me down there. Down there. The sky rockets in. That's a, yeah, <laughs> I like the scene. He's busting their balls. I like that the hypnotist is a, uh, you know, like a for, a sort of foreign, un, you know, uh, sort of an undefined foreign brings the hypnotism in. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> Just vaguely ethnic in some way. Like, well, ben, he would be ben the one who hypnotizes, of course. Ben and Rad are like, I don't know, let's bring in a guy with a fucking accent. You got anybody? <laughs> yeah, well, my fucking sister knows this crazy bitch out of Roxbury. Yeah, she's into fucking voodoo and shit. We could call her. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if Voodoo's going to track. Uh, we could get that vaguely fucking weird foreign <laughs> he, fella. You know that guy? He's like from somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where the fuck he's from. He ain't American. I can tell you that much, though. He could be perfect. <laughs> yeah, maybe he can do the hypnotism scene. Okay, that's good. Let's do that. Give him a fucking call and uh, see if he wants to fly out. That's what happened. <laughs> for, for one scene. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the life we live, Matthew. <laughs> anyway... This gets us to Sean in limbo. We got we got Sean. We got Robin Williams, Matthew. He is here. He is here, looking serious, looking professorly, telling and you to a tear little the pages shuffle. out of your book. <laughs> Wait, what? Tear them out from fucking Dead Poet Society. He's back in the classroom. Oh yeah, but yeah, no. And he pretty much first confronts him as far you know. Once they get to get out of the classroom and sit down, and you know, I do. One quick thing I really like about uh, their introduction when, you know, Lambo walks into Sean's classroom, you can't quite tell if Sean's being sincere or not when he's like, oh, look, we're in the presence of greatness. I, I love that. That, that, that is just like Me a too. perfect little part about his character. You're like, I think he is serious. And he's like saying this for the sake of his students and like recognize him. You know, this is, a, you know, this is another, a great member of the faculty here. And this is, you know, very cool. But also, ah, he's a little high on his fucking horse. He says it. <laughs> Still it's, it's, dig in it. It's done well because he says it in a way that he's like, "Oh, we're in the presence of greatness." But then he does go on to regale him with the things, the Nobel Peace. It's like the Nobel Prize the for Field Medal. Like, yeah, yeah. He tells him, and, you know, he gives him the props his due. Um, but you know, Lambo is no dummy. He knows what's up. He knows about the relationship. He also oh, yeah. dwarfs Robin Williams, which is funny. He's so tall, so tall, and Robin Williams was so short. 
And he just basically, they, they go out and he's like, I've been busy. And, uh, we get the tension. We learn that his wife is dead. I got your card, that whole thing. It was nice, but we know there's more to these two than me. Yeah. They're old colleagues. They're old friends. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, there's this, he, he talks, he, he, he pitches him treating this guy well. As far as what the scene establishes is that we know that Will is very smart with the math. But what we don't know until this moment is just how smart he is. This guy's talking about like a once in a generation type of kid who right. knows math like Rain Man. You know, he just, he's a savant. Right, right. He talks about uh, the story of, I'm, I'm going to definitely fuck up the name, but I think it's Ramanujan. Doesn't uh, matter though. Don't really matter. But uh, yeah, somebody who just had the same natural ability where it's like they were not formally trained. They just were exposed to mathematics and then just could extrapolate what came beyond that. Yeah. Uh, and, and in all the way into theoretical math, which is insane. It's crazy. And that's what he's claiming. Yeah, like, yeah this is what we have here. This is what we have on our, our hands. Um, and that's an interesting aspect to Jerry's character because at first I feel like you could start to wonder if Jerry, and I think this is one of Sean's big suspicions of him, is that are you looking to be the person who introduces him to the world and kind of piggyback off of his name to add on to your own? Is this more about you and your glory uh, and kind of trying to take ownership of it? Or do you really feel like this is so special, it needs to be pushed? You know, the, you know that Will is such a, a, a singular, rare person that he needs to kind of be exposed to the world. What, what do like, you? What, what's your answer to that question? I, at, by the end of the movie, I'm I'm leaning back towards. I think he really is trying to. I, 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 I it's not it's not totally unselfish, but more so in the sense of I think he thinks Will could be so important to the world that he's like that he would push even beyond what Will wants to be like. You have to you have to start you know contributing because you are so special <laughs> in that way. Not in the like I'm gonna I'm gonna be the guy who introduced you to the world. I don't think he's looking for his own glory, but I do think he cares a little more about the possibilities of what Will could contribute versus what Will would want as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. No. Um, I think I think it's just the thing where he does, I mean, it's he he understands more than anyone in this in this film about the kid's genius. Right. And that's one of the things I really like about this movie is that at times we get frustrated with Jerry Lambeau. We get frustrated with his character because he seems to be pushing Will in a direction that Will might just not want to go in. He's less interested in Will's desires and more interested in what he believes is the right thing for Will. By the way, classic arrogant professor bullshit. <laughs> right. And and, and, he's in, you know, and and yes, there's probably the residual effect of what it can do for being the one to discover him. But at the end of the day, he knows that he's way beyond him. He does it in his sleep. Whereas this guy works his balls off to do it and do it well and to win these awards. And he is great at math, but this guy makes it look easy. Right. And at the end of the day, he knows he's going to go way further than he will if he applies himself. And I think, I think as a scientist on the one hand, you know, I know he's a professor, but there's always that. And scientists say this, they say, you know, there's no ego in this. At least there's not supposed to be. Like right. if, if here's my work and you disprove it and there's a better way, like you're, you're, you're supposed to have a thick skin in the science Let's celebrate community. celebrate that, yeah. This is, ah, right. We're moving the field forward. Correct. And a lot of times that isn't the case. But I do like that we see that here. I do like, I do, I do think he's, I think it didn't not, and he's a human being. It enters his mind. It enters right. his mind that I, he's kind of hitched to this wagon. But at the end of the day, it's not the sole motivating factor. I think- 
based on just the performance by Skarsgård, fucking Sherbina baby, um, <laughs> and the way he's so passionate about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I uh, agree. But he convinces he convinces um, Sean to finally see this kid to actually come over and you know just look at him. You know, I, I've run through five other shrinks, uh, but he convinces him by telling him he's he's also from Southie. You got mm-hmm. you guys have the same background. So he's hoping that there'd be some way that they can connect better. So, you know, at least more so than the other therapists. Yeah. hundred percent. That's huge. Yeah. So they have a meeting and, um, immediately will starts and, and it should just be noted. Let's just for a, for point of order, this is really the meat of the movie here. You know, those first 40 minutes we've, we've have really just led us to this moment. Right. Which is the first of what is going to be eight scenes with these guys that we're going to probably discuss. Yeah, the, um, main, the main therapy scenes, the getting into who Will is. Right, the, what the movie is about, that this is the crux of the movie. And I think all the other details I think we'll do from here, Matt, and, and stop me if, if you think this is crazy, is maybe we'll just sort of get little touch tones on the things that happen in between the therapy sessions, but probably the bulk of the conversation will be on the therapy sessions. I can dig it. So many little goofy scenes we don't really care about. Yeah. But I like this. I like that he tests him right away. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. <laughs> and immediately, immediately, Sean dismisses the other guys. Yeah, yeah. Get them on out of here. Because uh, but, he's like, this kid has an audience. I don't like that. It's going to be like, you know, he's showboating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also, also very quickly, what are they thinking they're going to be in the sessions? What are you, you're a fucking professor. You're not a superhero. I know you all think you are, but. Or his parents <laughs> or anything. It's not like you're like legal guardians. Like you have no right to just be standing there. I know. And I'm just beating them up a little, taking a couple of <laughs> shots at the professors. It's fun. Relax. But, uh, but no, I love how talk right away. Too, Let's talk about this dialogue here. Wait, what's that? Let's talk about this meeting. Yeah. Well, I mean, right away, he pretty much dismisses. Sean's question. Sean's like, so where are you from? What part of South? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you got all these books, huh? And just it, already ignoring him, like ignoring his actual questions, deflecting, deflecting, uh, and just probing around the room for what makes up this guy. What is this guy about? Where are his weaknesses? What can I do to piss him off? A hundred percent. You said it correct right there. What are his weaknesses? That's it. As far as Will is concerned, he's being threatened. Yeah. And yeah. he's going to conduct himself accordingly, right? This guy wants to waste my time. This guy wants to get in my head. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find my way to to really get a dig in at him that hurts. Yeah. It, 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 but like you said, it's really an intelligence mission while at the same time deflecting the questions. Yeah. You 100%. haven't earned the right to ask him questions yet, right? Yeah. He's not, he doesn't have... He doesn't have an agreeable, his trait agreeableness, as they say, is not what you would, you know, in psychology, he's not being agreeable. So you have to establish a line of credit. You have to establish trust first. Mm-hmm. And that does not happen in this meeting. <laughs> mm, I mean, yeah, and I like it. And it's, yeah. and it's great. You know, you, you guys surround yourself with these fucking books, the wrong fucking books. <laughs> you know, and what are the right fucking books? And he starts, I like the mirroring, the mirroring, right? He's not right. afraid to use the language back on him. He's not afraid to speak Will's language, which exactly. is what none of the other shrinks are doing. They're all, all of them, coming from up high, yeah. And they're all, they're, exactly, they're all looking down on him. Exactly. They're all looking down on him. And that's something Sean never does. <laughs> yeah, I'm not here for a fucking book report. They're your books, why don't you read them? I did, I had to. Took a long fucking take. time. Yep. 
that's a sh- that's he's probing. That's a jab. Oh yeah. Like, is he insecure about his intellect? Let me try. <laughs> because he knows Lambeau is right. Oh yeah. And Sean just says it did, and then he changes again. It's this is like a fucking boxing match. It's a verbal sparring contest. A lot of jabbing. A lot of feeling out. Right. Indeed. And he finds he finds the pressure point when he comes across the painting. The you painting that people baffle me. Spend all your money on these fucking fancy books. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Not even reading the right ones. But he finds it. He finds the painting. He starts, you know, kind of critiquing it, getting into it. Uh, and none of the critiques of the actual painting really get to Sean at all. He's kind of joking about how he's like, oh, you're, you're going to be in Vincent van Gogh with this like muddled style you got going here. But uh, the, the weightlifting stuff too, you went past. I kind of want to talk about that. Oh, that's true. That's a great moment too, where he's like, oh yeah, I lift weights. And he's like, oh, Nautilus. <laughs> he's like, no, free weights. Oh, really? Free yeah. weights. What do you goes, bench? 285. What do you bench? And he just doesn't answer that you question. You paint that? Yeah, exactly. He slipped slip the jab, baby, right? He's like, <laughs> because he knows he benches less than that. Exactly. And that's weakness, which he's not going to expose. Not going to admit Because he is from a violent, he has a violent life. Mm-hmm. The last thing a violent person is going to do is expose any weakness to you. They're not, <laughs> you know, they, they, it's a test of will. But yeah, though, they, I like the impression. Uh, just a linear impressionistic mix makes a very muddled composition. It's also a Winslow Homer ripoff, except you got Whitey uh, rowing the boat. <laughs> <laughs> That's not uh, what concerns me, though. Oh, what concerns you? It's the coloring. <laughs> <laughs> And Sean tries to make a joke, right? You know, the real bitch of it is it's paint by number. But uh, like you said, this leaves to... Um, right. You know, well, I think it's where he, he reveals that yeah, he did it for his wife, that he made it for his yeah, wife. He says, the sky's falling in your head, the waves are crashing over your little boat, the oars are about to snap, you just piss in your pants. You're crying for the hoppers, and maybe you do what you got to do to get out. Yeah, maybe you became a psychologist. Bingo. <laughs> Let me do my job now, will you? And that's when he's like, or marry, maybe you marry the wrong woman. And that maybe. gets to Sean immediately. Oh, yeah. Maybe you should watch your mouth. And yeah. that's it. He turns around and Dude. looks at him. And he's, he, he doesn't say it, but he's like, oh, that's it. I found the spot. There it is. Your fucking wife. And that's in, 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 first of all, Sean opens himself up by telling him no. And now this, now he goes, oh, here's an opening. Now let me get some body shots in, right? That's it. That's you it. Marry he the fell wrong for the woman. Right, what happened? She leave you? Was she, you know, banging some other guy? <laughs> that little whistle before he slammed him against the wall. But that's Ooh. Will's language, the violence. Will gets exactly. it. Exactly. He He's like, gets All right. it. That he didn't you, like yeah. that. You found his spot, but you found the spot that cannot be touched. That you know is what I like far. about this moment? Hmm. When, when, when Sean grabs Will, it, it's a reminder of the grown-up strength thing. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's like, bang, up against the wall, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> You're not getting out of his grip right now. Grown up strength, and he's angry with you, and you're not where you need to be mentally to engage in this guy physically. You know what I mean? Totally not. Completely yeah. taken off guard. Yeah, you guys are in separate. You guys are both playing different games right now. You're playing a game, and he's being very serious. It's dangerous. <laughs> Tells him he'll end him. Time's up. <laughs> <laughs> Therapy session one. Therapy up session on the one in uh, the books. Shit. Not going. Let's talk great. about that scene. Because it really fucks up Sean. He drinks, he goes home, he contemplates, and which is going to lead directly to the next one. Because you got the little Skylar date where they, they're cute and she's funny and they do the costumes. We don't need to spend much time on it. They share a kiss. It's nice. We know that their relationship is progressing. But all of the thinking that Sean does leads us to this Boston Public Garden sit down on the bench. That's it. And um, it looks like all he sits of up the stuff he's contemplated. 
Right, right. Because he's thinking about all all of the ways that Will got to him and, and the things that Will Correct. might in some sense be right about here and there. But he has this revelation that he decides to pull Will away out of the office uh, to go tell him about, which I love to. It's such a great move on uh, Sean's part to get him out of the office that's all about Sean. Take Sean's him to the books, Sean's, you know, Sean's paintings, his books, everything he has framed that's about him, all this ammunition for, for Will to look around at and try to dissect Sean. He's like, fuck that. We're going to go sit outside. We're going to sit in the world. Yep, it's uh, a great we're point. Gonna, we're going to connect here. Takes him to the Boston Commons. So they get out there and, um, you know, so what's this, like a taste his choice moment between guys? <laughs> and uh, I love when Sean just levels him. And he says, basically, if I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every art book ever written. You know a lot about Michelangelo, right? No. But I bet you couldn't tell me what the Sistine Chapel smelled like. You never actually stood there and looked up at that beautiful ceiling, right? That's you never it. been, you know, and he, and he talks about... Um, you can't tell me what it feels like to make up, wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. You're a tough kid. I ask you about war. You probably uh, throw Shakespeare at me once more into the breach to your friends, but you've never been near one. You've never held your best friend's head in your lap and watched him gas his last breath looking to you for help. I guess we're believing maybe he was in Vietnam. Yeah, he was. There's a picture on in uh, his office that's of some that's right. you know, soldiers in Vietnam as well. I ask you about love. You'll probably quote me a sonnet. But you've never looked at a woman and been totally vulnerable, known someone that could level you with her eyes, feeling like God put an angel on earth just for you. Who could rescue you from the depths of hell? And you wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel, to have that love in there forever um, through cancer. He lets that slip. So there's a lot going on. He said this is a huge monologue. Holding her hand and the time. Um, I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you. I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared, chillest kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one can deny you that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. You presume to know anything about me because you saw a fucking painting and ripped my life apart, right? You think I know anything about you and you're an orphan because I read Oliver Twist? Does that encapsulate you? And um, this is awesome, man. It is, yeah. This is relevant today. Yeah, yeah. Knowledge versus experience. We just had a big talk about this, didn't we? Yeah, indeed. We did. Just the idea of you have all these facts, you have a list of facts, you, you, you have a great memory to arrange and, and categorize all of them, but doesn't amount to much if you, you can't apply it in your own life, if you can't understand it and, and do something with this, this information. Colossus the Forbin Project, I think we talked about this very thing. Right. Right. On a much more human level here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this is much more relatable. Right. But I love this. I mean, I do, I like him essentially calling him out where he, where he says early in the speech, you know, the monologue too, where he's like, you know, I was worried about all this. I was thinking about this. It kept me up all night what you said. Mm-hmm. And then I had this thought that let me sleep like a baby of, yeah, you're just a fucking kid. Like you just, you don't really know what you're saying. You think you know what you're saying. Um, and cause you can say the names, you can say the numbers and the dates and all these things, but you have no understanding of its meaning. Um, and the idea of suffering for any of these things or, or putting, putting yourself on the line for any of this. You know, to be honest, one of the only things about this like monologue that, that bugs me a little bit is that it gets a little uh, like highfalutin, you know, in the way like, of like, oh, 
you know, you know, but you've never looked upside the, in, the looked inside of the Sistine Chapel. I'm like, well, yeah, most people haven't, even adults, even people who have done a lot. Uh, I feel like I, what I would have loved to see him challenge Will on is like, well, what have you done? Have you made any art? Have you taken the time to even attempt a painting like I did? Have you ever tried to do anything, or do you just? I don't absorb- know if that's the right move from a psycho- psychological standpoint because you you're think? not trying to push him away. Well, that's true. That's true. You're, you're suggesting like. I think what he's suggesting here is that you know everything about Michelangelo, but you've never seen the Sistine Chapel. I think right. that's all he's the point because because it's around art. I don't think he wants to push him like that because because he lays all the shit on like you don't know you you don't experience you you know facts, but you have no real experiences. You have no frame of reference around these facts. Mm. Um, but but he but he then and, and this is important in psychology as far as I can tell, and that's this he does disclose a little bit to, to create trust by saying, you know, you, my wife, he, he lets him know his wife had cancer. That's a big deal. He lets yeah. him know, he goes, you are a genius and nobody can take that away from you. You rip my life apart with an observation. That's something, but yeah. you also don't really have any real experience, but I'm not, I'm not totally discounting what you're saying. I, I didn't think it would, I, it didn't come off to me as highfalutin. It came off to me as him making a point about his knowledge versus the experience. That's all. Right. Right. I don't think he's suggesting everyone should see the Sistine Chapel. I'm th- I think he's saying you're the kind of person who knows everything about Michelangelo there is to know, but you've never actually seen his work. Mm-hmm. Like you've never gone to the fucking. You probably haven't even gone to the goddamn the museum. Art museum in Boston. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right, <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, but I mean that's essentially it though. Like he he pins him down here as far as like you know he I, the way I like that he frames the end of this kind of little speech to Will is where he's like it's you know. If you want to tell me about you, then I'm in and I'm interested, uh, you know, but it's your move. You, you have to do that. And he kind of basically puts it on him of like, you're the coward. You're, you're a pussy if you're not going to be able to stand up and, and look me in the eye and tell me something about yourself. Like, that's what makes you weak. Like, you know, you, you want to seem strong? All right. Well, then open yourself up a little. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't insult him. Exactly. He doesn't. And that's important because you don't want to... What you what you can't do with a kid like Will, who comes from a very confrontational and violent background, is tease and cajole him. No, you know yeah. maybe you get a little zinging, but you got to make sure you close this strong. And I like that he, I like that he offered like the the olive branch, <laughs> the Oliver Twist branch he offers him makes sense to me, <laughs> which is I don't know you because I read Oliver Twist, but I'm fucking fascinated. I'm in. I yeah. want to talk to you. I don't give a shit about Oliver Twist. I care about you. And if you want to talk to me, I'm in. And I think you're terrified of that. He's just yes. telling him a fact. He's not teasing. He's not saying you're a scared little bitch. No, he says yeah, it earlier, but he closes on a, like, my door is open, dude. Yeah. And I think Will time, respects his ability to sort of know everything about him rather quickly. Because Will is a kid. He's 20-something years old. And despite what he thinks may or may not be his unique upbringing. Like everyone, everybody thinks when they're 20, how unique and special they are. They're not. <laughs> yes, they are in some ways, but it's when you're a professional and you work with kids and you have the psychology background, you fucking know you've seen this pattern before you you're from Southie. You get it. You know, it's a tough <laughs> upbringing. And um, I like that. I, and I think Will respects this moment because he fucking obviously goes back but he's but he's not done testing him yet, is he? 
No, no. And we should also, you should mention here that his relationship with Skylar has definitely been growing. Before this, you know, they kind of had their first real date where they go out to mm-hmm. a little costume store. And this is the stuff I, I love from Mini Driver. Like, it, it feels super natural and real. Like, they're just picking up, you know, random things and, you know, making jokes about the costumes. They're, they're kind of, like, improvising together. And, you know, it's just a very casual date. Like, I like how it's not some, like, dinner. And obviously that's, like, it seems as if that's not what either of them would go for. They feel like this very natural fit to one another. Um, And they end up sharing a first kiss. Uh, But it's after, it's after he has this speech from Sean, where he kind of realizes how much he might be a little more scared than he admits, where he calls Skylar on on a payphone in the rain and can't work up the nerve to say anything to her and just hangs up. <laughs> After You're fucking retarded. You went out the, all the way out there in the rain. You didn't have to. You didn't bring the number. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't bring the number, and I'm the dumb one, and I know that. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, from um, here though, it becomes he stonewalls him for the hour, right? Exactly. This fucking test of will, where he is not going to say anything. He comes in for the hour, as he has to uh, on record. He has to, you know, for I guess essentially his parole, mm-hmm. uh, he has to be in here and have it signed off that he was there for the hour and he sits and literally just stares at the clock, counts the seconds, doesn't open his mouth. Yep. And that's awesome and, you know, he talks to Lambeau about it. Doesn't really matter. But he's just like, I've never seen that before. It's impressive, but I can't talk first. That's the way it's got to be. <laughs> um, that's it. Got to wait him out. Yep. But, um, uh, this does lead to, you know, there's, there's a little more discussion. I, I love the watching of the clock. He's like, oh, no. And uh, this is the scene where the professor sort of gets upended, this unnamed professor, because Will make, goes, here, try this. <laughs> oh, that's right. And the guy's like shattered. Oh, but my math, my yeah. math is broken by yours. It's not even that. It's, and I know you'd make fun of it. It's his whole career, his life's work. No, it's true. Yeah. Like in a second, the guy just is like, boom, here is how it's better. And you go, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, it's brutal. It's fucking fucking brutal. rough. Yeah, whatever. My math what, kicks your math, bitch ass. Yeah. Oh, shit. I got another fucking professor whose math's, whose math's ass is going to kick by my math's foot. <laughs> Oof, that was a really convoluted way to say it, Will. Stick to the math. You suck at English. <laughs> You're not a writer, Will. You You're a math bat. man. But um, yeah, this is where uh, after the math stuff, we go right back to another meeting with Sean, and he finally sa- he says something. He breaks the silence. Right. He can't. As, help it. I think he. Bores as Sean him is out. nodding off, by the way. Right. Right. And he decides he's going to tell a fucking joke. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was on his plane once, and I'm sitting there, and the captain gets on. He does this whole, you know, we'll be cruising at thirty five thousand feet, but then puts the mic down and forgets to turn it off. Hmm. And so he turns a copa and he's like, you know, all I could use right now is a fucking blowjob and a cup of coffee. So the stewardess fucking goes bombing up the back of the plane to tell him that the microphone's still on. <laughs> That's so good. Don't forget the coffee. You ever been on a plane? I love that. Awesome. That question. You ever been on a plane? No, it's a fucking joke. Works better if I tell him the first person. And Sean's like, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. I've been laid, you know. Yeah, big time. Big time uh, I get laid. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love, yeah. Big, big, oh, big time. time. For sure. Oh, oh yeah. Sex so hard. I Fucking sex big so time. hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, so I thought from here, maybe we could flip right over into doggy style. <laughs> Just go and go. Dirk Diggler. But um, <laughs> you can come and meet Dirk. Um, 
So <laughs> let's talk about um, this stuff. The girl talk is great because he's like, oh, he hasn't called her. Christ, you're an amateur. I know what I'm doing. Right. Right. And he, 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 what he, the defense he comes up with immediately is like, well, I don't want to find out, you know, that she's, that she's dumber than I realize, that she's not smart and everything gets shitty. It's a shitty situation. And I, I want it to stay perfect like she is. She's a perfect girl. Um, and God, John, this is something, isn't it? Huh? This is something. Oh, uh, it's so real. Uh, so and Sean real. catches him on it immediately. He's like, well, that's a, that's a super philosophy. You know, but go, you can go through your entire life that way and never really know anyone because you Hey, assumed- Josh, if you're sitting on a tractor somewhere, definitely, definitely listen to this part of the movie again. <laughs> definitely, definitely look deep at this part, buddy. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> no, it's not brutal. He'll, he'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> But yeah, he he tells him like you'll you'll never understand anyone. You're assuming them. You're assuming you'll you you've already you know what's going to be there without but the even real mind, to ask. the real psychology here. The start, the stuff that I love about the scene with Sean and mm-hmm. why this stands out to me so much is that he says um, uh, he says maybe it's because you're perfect right now. Right. That's yeah. the fucking key. Anybody who cannot go in any. People who don't know how to navigate relationships from people I know personally, this is a thing. They want to always be this sort of perfect idealized thing. They don't want to get into the hard work of being shown the flaws in their character other than the ones they sort of allow because that's cool. You know, like you can't <laughs> right. tell somebody your cool flaws. That's, that's like faux, that's, that's, that's faux honesty. Do you know right. what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah, Like, exactly. oh, yeah, you're, you're such a thrill seeker. What a flaw. Except it's just part of your personality to seem cooler. But right. the real flaw shit, like the three years in shit that takes a long time to surface, like, that's why I like this moment because he's like, yeah, the girl's fucking perfect, but maybe to you that's perfect. I like how he spins that back on him. Like, oh, yeah, maybe it. you will yeah. find out that, but really what you're afraid of is her maybe not thinking you're perfect because you seem awesome and interesting to her now but the reality is you go back to this shitty place and you don't have much going on right and then you don't want to deal with that you don't want to deal with when the going gets tough in a relationship you don't you and that's that's will's thing he doesn't want any of that he doesn't he can't navigate that he doesn't know how to he has his his ego to protect right he's very egocentric oh yeah he doesn't want to seem like he is not the perfect fucking cool dude from Southie. You know, he doesn't want to be seen as just a regular dude like everybody else. Well, that's the thing. He wears, well, in a sense, he wears a lot of his flaws on his sleeve, like you were saying. of Like, yeah, I'm just a kid from Southie. Yeah, I've had a tough upbringing. And like, he he wears all that right out in the open. And he makes that a point of pride. Except with girls. Uh, it, right, right, exactly. Like, when it comes to that particular area, then it just becomes this whole, I'm going to retract and be like, I'm, I'm hiding all of these things. Right, he's... Uh, uh, like I said, whatever would be considered quote unquote a flaw, if it's cool, he'll reveal it. If it isn't, mm-hmm. he won't. Right? Quote unquote <laughs> cool. Like, oh, I can hang out with the boys. Aren't I cool? Like, yeah. But what if she wants to like meet your fucking family? What if she wants to meet, like, that's the real shit. Not the fucking thing you've created around yourself shit. Not the, not the costume you put on before you leave your house every day. You know? Exactly. To, to, to hide his vulnerabilities. That's what he's doing. Will is a very vulnerable character. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Then, and then he tries to, to flip this back around on, on Sean as well when he starts getting into Sean, you know, being like, well, you ever thought about re, remarrying? And he's like, no, she's dead. 
And he was like, well, yeah, that's why I said remarried. She's dead. And he was like, oh, that's a super philosophy, Sean. You're going to really go through it all of your life and never really get to know anybody that way. That's why Time. I like that part, because it's true. Mm-hmm. There, it's it's right. true for both of them. It's yeah. true for both of them, absolutely. It's a pivotal moment in the screenplay. Yeah, the super philosophy. Go through your whole life without really knowing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't go by. My wife used to fart when she was nervous. Ah, it's so good. Ad it's, lib, that's Damon really laughing. Didn't know that was coming. That's so good. It felt and the, like- the cameraman laughs because you see the frame shake a little. Oh, really? Yeah, it was unexpected. It's a really awesome part of the movie. That's fucking, that's Robin Williams, man, ad libbing. That's so good. And that's that, good. outside of it being funny and cool, it's important from a writing standpoint because you're disclosing personal details about your life to engender trust with this kid. Right. It shows right. that you trust him. If I give you personal information, it shows I trust you. Right. And also, I mean, I, th- and I think in a very literal way, it's he's modeling how to show something about yourself to someone. Like, no, he's that's doing also it. a great point. That's like, also he's literally a great like, point. This is what it sounds like to fucking be honest about something in your life. See, it can be done. You won't right. die. Right. And that's the surface thing. It's not the... Why do you get into a bunch of fights? You know, no, there's something deeper than that. The fights are irrelevant. You're you're acting out because of it or whatever it is, drinking or thrill seeking or, you know, whatever your vice is, you know, there's something underneath that vice. Right. It's, you know, it's not dress it up however you want, Will. The reality is, is there's problems here, (laughs) but it's awesome. I like it. This is a really good moment. She woke herself up. Yeah, Christ. (laughs) <laughs> she'd been dead two years i haven't thought of that in a while yeah it's really good but yeah the, the, the important part was him spinning the philosophy right back on him yeah exactly and he just says time's up yeah that's awesome that's it ah oh, man it, it's amazing to me how good robin williams is in he's, the quiet moments incredible. too he's 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 incredibly good uh this is you know, one of his absolute best roles i mean he got the he's just a fucking a natural he's a brilliant man was yeah. a brilliant man you know it's you're a successful stand-up comedian. You're a successful TV actor. You're a successful award-winning actor. You're just a special human being. Right, right. And you just had a that- A very w- special and deeply flawed and dark man. Like, that's, that's the yin and the yang of this, of this tragic tale around Robin Williams. And we make dumb jokes. And I like to believe Robin Williams, as a comedian, would appreciate people making jokes about it. Everyone's like, oh, you made a fucking hanging joke. He would, too. He's a fucking comedian. The last thing a comedian wants is if you're not to joke about them being dead. So everybody get off your fucking high horse. I speak for dead Robin Williams. Speaking of high horses. <laughs> Way on up there. <laughs> but no, but you know what I mean? Like, but no, I know what you comedians, mean. Comedians, yeah. like, they, they expect you to fucking t- make jokes about them being dead. <laughs> that's, what, that's a comedian, dude. Everybody relax. But, but no, my point is like, that's, he's fucking like, you think of Robin Williams and like his career and all of the things he's done and, yeah, man, he's he's a he's an interesting guy. He is he's really something. Yeah, he's, he's really yeah. something. Nah, I uh, and what an impact on this film, boy! They couldn't have gotten a better guy, could they have? He's he's perfect. I mean, he's funny in these small moments when he needs to be, but his he, accent way, isn't too good, though. What's that? His accent's not so hot. <laughs> well, you know, forgive so I forgive you. Yeah. Um. It's tough but, if you, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those stuff. I mean, he's from fucking, I don't know, I think he's from the Midwest. Honestly, I feel, like, I feel like people fuck that accent up more than even like a British accent. Like, that's just like, it's never, it's always all over the place. It's because there's a lot of sauce on it. Yeah. There's true. a lot of sauce on it when you're really hamming. A lot of times it's not 
is it's not like that. Like, you know, I don't, I, I don't always express it unless I'm sometimes fucking around or every once in a while, if I'm, if I'm not thinking, but like my uncle does it a lot, but his is a little, his is less harsh. His is less, his is less like Southie and more like Southeastern mass, which is like a, you don't pronounce your R. Like my uncle says, I got to take out the garbage. Like he just says it that way, but he's not like, but he says, he, he doesn't, he says cop. He doesn't cop. say cop. He doesn't do the fucking, like, he doesn't put the cop. sauce on it. You, you hit like, a cop. You hit a cop, you're going in. Like he doesn't do the departed shit where they're putting all the sauce on it. So oh, by the way, real quick, Robin Williams, better Boston accent than Jack Nicholson by far. <laughs> there, decided. <laughs> Way better. I'm not sure if Jack Nicholson was even trying. He was just like, I'm just going to make my voice weird. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's, people put sauce. They put fucking sauce on it, you know? Like, yeah, that's what they're, they're saucing it up a little bit. <laughs> it's a thing. It's it's a, you know, this is who we are kind of thing. It's a, it's a, Living in it's 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 playing into the the, the stereotype, so to speak. Right, kind of like owning it. Like, sure. Okay. And saucing it up, making it funny. <laughs> but no, it's such a fucking great line. But you know where he's like, "You're not perfect," and you know I'm going to save you the suspense. This girl you uh, met, she isn't perfect either. Uh, it's fucking real. Mm, fucking real. Mm, I feel like I just gave a good friend that advice. <laughs> I don't know who true. that could have been, but maybe maybe I gave a friend that advice. Um. Yeah, is that is that the last thing they say at the time's up, or are you jumping ahead? Because oh no, that that was right before where he says oh, okay. time's up is after he was you know kind of starting to to bug at him again about his wife being dead and he hasn't remarried. Right, that's um, how that closes. So uh, this this um, brings us to the dorm room homework dog track thing. Yeah, this so, is cute. It is cute. Again, we're seeing. It's an interesting, you know, Mini Driver's place in the film is is interesting. Yeah. Because we're we're seeing her as somebody you would argue kind of has it together. Um, definitely holds a torch for this guy. Obviously, cares about him a lot, which is, there's nothing, that's that makes sense to me. Um, and in this kid sort of taking a lot of this for granted and the defense mechanisms firing off and the, oh my God, this is getting too real and the, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And, um, and, but it leads to him knowing her homework rather easily. He doesn't want to wait to go on the date. So he goes outside the dorm. He does the homework, runs up. He's like, I just couldn't wait till tomorrow. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck? You know, she, she still, they don't really get into his intellect quite yet. That comes after that comes on their next date. But this is the, the, the whole premise of this, other than to establish a relationship, good chemistry. Like you said, the, their chemistry works. I, it, I'm, their relationship is believable to me in, in people kind of freshly dating and the exciting and the fun and the quips and she's quick witted, which I like. She's not like a bore. Oh yeah. No, that's, that's what I, that's what I buy about their relationship here yes. and why I, I like it is that they're each, they have a lot of personality. They're each really funny and, and incisive and, and they, they fit like it kind of even plays back into that, that scene where Sean was talking <clears> about, it, it's not about you being perfect or her being perfect, but whether you're perfect together. And like, that's what it is. Like, do you guys fit together? Um, and they do like that. That's what I feel like you see in their relationship when they're, they're interacting. They, they will play into each other's jokes. They'll finish each other's, you know, silly thought and, and laugh about it. And they, they just kind of have a natural chemistry and that's, they have, that, they have rapport. 
right? Right. And, and honestly, just out, even speaking outside of the story of the movie, that is a hard thing to put on film. Like, there are, that's part, I think, why I was so surprised by Minnie Driver again watching this, of uh, thinking that she was just so natural and funny. And same sure. with Damon, especially when he's with her. Because it is, I, I feel like what I'm noticing more and more often in in movies when it comes to bad dialogue is it's bad dialogue when it comes to couples. That's like always sure. the most. It has the most danger of being unnatural and stilted and awkward and like this isn't shit that human beings actually say. Like correct, like, correct. Oh, oh, like longing and shit. Like that, that's always where you can just tell a screenwriter is like, this is the dialogue I don't really know how to get into and make it fucking natural. Because they're because they're always expressing literal. There's no subtext in bad dialogue. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Talking is subtext, right? Right. It's it's rarely explicit dialogue, and that's why you can see it a mile fucking away. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about Tarantino a lot. Obviously, um, Elmore. What the fuck's his name? El, El Elmore. Elmore uh, Leonard. Thank you, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I think, uh, and say what you want about his plots and endings, but I think King is a good dialogue writer. He, yeah. His dialogue I is agree. like people talk, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough to do. It's it's hard, and, and this is done well. And that's why I think ad-libbing is, is important to a lot of these movies and stuff with, with the like, here's where we want this dialogue to kind of go, mm-hmm. but but fuck around for a few minutes, you know, <laughs> kind of get warm. But yeah, it's <laughs> it, 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 there's nothing more awkward than when you're hanging out and you and you... The thing people want more than anything, well, the, the thing, I guess, let me speak for myself. You want people to sort of respond to your references. You want people to know what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. Mm. I, want, I want to make people laugh. Like, that's my, that's my, you know, I want to be funny. That's my insecurity. It's fun. I like making people laugh. It's fun. That's why I do this fucking show. <laughs> I want, I like, I like, you know, I, I, it's cool to get a genuine, like, laugh out loud moment out of people. And versus in, in that you feel that chemistry back and forth when it's working. And then when it's not, it's just like, they look at you like a deer in the headlights and like, Oh fuck, <laughs> this That's, is not going and anywhere. And that one sort of sailed past. And, and that doesn't mean anything. It just means that the person has a different rhythm than you, a different, different taste, different, but that stilted dialogue is like, Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal in real life. Oh, yeah, it is. Stilted. Yeah. <laughs> stilted, un- inauthentic, shitty. Yeah. What do you hope to, what do you hope uh, people, what, what do you want people to take away when you're talking to them? What's mm. your hope? That, honestly, that I'm listening to them. That's something I feel like. Yeah, uh, I get, I'm the same way. Yep. Right. Where I'm like, I want to, I want to make sure they feel like I'm actually giving a shit about what you're saying, connecting yeah. to you and paying attention. Do you give a shit what they say? I do. Yeah. But like sometimes, yeah. you know, it's one of those things you never can be sure about with any, you know, interaction with a person of how much, how do they perceive me? You know, do they perceive me as paying attention and kind of like keeping yourself in check is like, I want to make sure I'm really, you know, expressing that I care about what they're saying. I do and I don't. And when I do, you, it's good to be genuine. I think that's a good character trait. Um, but I think, I think there are times where I do and times where I don't, uh, if I'm if I'm interested in talking to somebody, I'm interested because I want to hear what they have to say. I don't want to regale them with my words, which right. is hilarious because I'm a fucking podcaster. <laughs> but if I do say stuff, obviously my hope is that they think I'm interesting and funny and clever. You know, that's all I care about. That's that's truth. <laughs> that's the only I'm being thing. fucking honest with you. Like yeah. I hope to convey that. I don't want. I don't care if they think I'm some smart person or. You know, uh, I'm a fucking expert on some shit, or I can pull some date out of my ass. I think it's, 
I don't no, think it's yeah. that uncommon. You want, you no. know, that's, that's what you're hoping. You want to make I mean, people smile, that, you know? That's the same thing me and you share is like, yeah, the funny guy. Like, I mean, that's the kind of how I've always been. And I don't, and, and, but so I guess what I'm trying to say is, but when I talk to somebody, if I'm talking to somebody and I want to talk to somebody, I'm definitely want to hear what they have to say. And I'm interested in them as people. But when I don't want to talk to them and they're talking to me, I couldn't be less interested in, in deadpan. Like I look at them like Patrick Bateman. <laughs> Like when some <laughs> idiot just is oversharing about something and I didn't want to engage with that person, I'm just like, huh, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to stab you in the face and play with your guts. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Eat your spleen. But if it's a person that I am interested in talking to, like, oh, like oh, a friend of a friend, you know, Matt introduces me to a friend. I'm like, cool. What's this guy about? Awesome. Oh, cool. You play guitar. That's awesome. Tell me about it. Mm, awesome. I am interested. I am curious. But if I'm like doing a thing and, uh, you know, it's like, I, I don't like idle chit chat with strangers that I'm not being previously introduced to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like yeah, I'm like not a schmoozer. The random bar conversation. I am kinda. not a fucking schmoozer at all, dude. <laughs> I am, that is not my scene. Like I know guys that can go up and talk to everybody, everybody. That's just not what I do. That's one of those things where I can do it but I have to force myself. I, I don't particularly enjoy it, but if it's like a situation, mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. Like, okay, I can make it happen. But like, yeah. I, I, I don't like doing it. Like, let's, we're going to this party. And it's like, all my friends and I know none of them. I fucking hate it. See, that doesn't bother me, actually. Oof. That's one of those things that doesn't That's bother me. That's one of my more antisocial tendencies. I'm just <laughs> like, ugh. I, first of all, I prefer smaller groups. For sure. I, I don't, I'm not a large party guy. That's just not my scene. I'm like, ugh, <laughs> I don't care. I don't, everyone's liars. Fucking, this is stupid. <laughs> and that, that's what he screamed as he exited the party and smashed our champagne glass on the ground. <laughs> You're all liars. Everyone's liars. I mean, there's probably some sort of like, I obviously I consider myself a pretty confident person, but I think there's probably a little anxiety there that I, that I probably should reconcile at some point about that large <laughs> right. group thing. Which is funny because I have no problem public speaking. I have no problem being on a stage. I have no problem with a microphone in front of people. I have no issue with that. I have no yeah. problem with that. But it's just like, uh, I don't care. I'm like, yeah. Oh, really? That's what you do? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that fun for you? Awesome. Uh, that's how they put together paper clips. Uh, so it's wow. weird. Like, I guess, I guess it depends on my mood. I guess I'm kind of moody. I guess it depends. Like, if, if, if I'm like, yeah, cool, I'm, I'm ready to do this thing. Or if Matt, you were like, you know, let me meet you, this friend, versus like I'm going to this place where there's a bunch of fucking people I know and I got to like, ugh. I hope I can gravitate to somebody I might have something in common with and I just latch on to them. <laughs> like, I don't want to. <laughs> like a life raft I in the just fucking USS f- Indianapolis. Exactly. Fucking sharks f- nipping at your heels. Fucking mingling. It's such <laughs> bullshit. Ooh, what about this? I'm like, yeah, I know. The fucking weather's crazy, dudes. <laughs> Couldn't it's get cold and it's winter and it's hot and it's summer. Who knows? Oh, crazy. Yeah, at least it, at least it ain't snow when it's hot out up here. At least it isn't snow. Oh, cool. I'd rather fucking hang myself than continue this dialogue. I don't know. Jesus. I'm all over the map with it, I guess. I don't know. Depends on my day, I guess. Flip a fucking coin on that one. Well, to bring us finally back into this scene. <laughs> Maki, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Do that Dude, again. I love that we see him lie to her. That yep. he fucking, that he lies. Like, By the way, that, to repeat that twice, that's a pretty good memory. 
To, for sure. I was like, when she said, say it again, I was like, oh, she just called your bluff. You're there's no fucking way. And he did it again. I'm like, oh, so you've done this before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have said mm-hmm. this lie either many a times or his memory is just that goddamn annoyingly good. I'm sure that's know. part of it. <laughs> it could be. I think but, yeah. I, we don't get the idea he's much of a player. No, he's, no. He's pretty cut that, off, you know? Right. But I could see him having like a little in the in his pocket lie about family because that's something he doesn't want to talk about. And, and remember, it's all, always going to be. And I don't think he talked to anybody. I think he talks to his friends. He she f- went. She really was aggressive in approaching him. That's the only reason he's talking to this girl. Yeah, that's true. That's a good like, point. Right? She's like, "You're an idiot." He's like, "What are you talking about?" But he handles it. You know, he's got the he's got some charm and wit. He's smart. But but it but man, you can't. You go like two layers down, and it's like a, it's a it's a madhouse. It's like Black Friday. People are punching each other. <laughs> right? Fuck! Get out of this part of the store, man. This isn't where I want you. You know what I mean? Don't want to wander into the wrong section. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this brings us to uh, another another therapy rap. A little more. A little more. Will Sean Tango. This one happens to be uh, less contentious than some of the earlier ones, though. Right. Will's actually asking Sean questions for once. With, right. with genuine curiosity, wanting Correct. to know about his wife, wanting to know about his life. The uh, genuineness he, that is so important. Exactly. Like he actually, and he even takes the time to, you know, when he asks him, do you, do you ever wonder what your life would be like without your wife? And, you know, when he's like, oh, do you mean if it would be better? And he, he's like, oh, no, I'm not trying to insult you. I'm not trying to say that. And, and he's like, no, it's an important question. It's fair. Uh, but yeah, you can tell he's starting to actually give a shit about Sean's feelings uh, at all here. Yeah, that's the, that's the biggest takeaway of this scene. Right, right. And Other also, than the setup for the, um, you know, the the Red Sox game, the Carlton Fisk crushing the ball doesn't matter. They didn't win the World Series, um, <laughs> not until two thousand four, baby. There you go. But uh, but no, the other I, th- I would say major tell about this scene uh, that Will I think gives away inadvertently is where he, the way he talks about his friends here. He's you know when he when he hears Sean tell his story about how he didn't go to the game because he saw you know the woman who ended up becoming his wife and he slid his tickets across the bar and he has the line of like I got to go see about a girl and he laughs at it and he's like your friends let you get away with that your friends let you do that as if your friends could just stop you from doing something <laughs> as if they have that much power over you. Because when you think about it, that that's how Will does see his friends. They are his whole world. They are, you know, they're everything to him. You know, if they, if they're going to peer pressure him along to nah, come on, let's just go, let's leave. He's just going to do it. Like he laughs at the idea of, wow, they, they just let you do that. Step away from them and the, and the whole, you know, pack. But yeah, yeah. he made a choice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I like it. It's a good moment. I also like the fact that what I love about it is, did you rush the field? He's like, no, I didn't rush the fucking field. I wasn't there. I was in a bar. <laughs> Matters and so much more. What I like about that, though, is that it, it also plays into all of these sessions where we're learning about Will and Will's like knowledge versus experience. Mm-hmm. Because the way Sean tells the story, you'd think he was there. Right. He wasn't there. So it's almost like, no, I didn't experience it. I was in the fucking bar. <laughs> and that was good enough. Yeah, but still, it's cool. It kind of plays into that part of it as well. Yeah. No, I like it. Yeah, it's awesome. But um, we get to a big moment with Will and Skylar, the breakup, Matthew. Yeah, this, God, this this scene breaks so bad from it being such a uh, a happy thing <laughs> into such an awful thing. Um, yeah. It's fucking terrible. 
Yeah, it's a good scene, though. It is a very good scene. Because, I mean, she asked just a, a very simple, straightforward question, and he cannot just be honest. Right. Can't say it. Can't say a straight answer and can't be honest about it. Well, he does do the... He, it goes well right up, right past the 4.30 in the morning thing, right? They're chit-chatting, and it's kind of a hike. Is it me you're hiding them from or the other way around? All right, we'll go. When? I don't know. We'll go sometime next week. And that's kind of a false promise, but she's like, what if I said I'm not going to sleep with you until you introduce me to your friends? And you'd say, well, it's 4.30. They're probably up. And he calls him. I like that. Right. And he does. He actually calls Chuck. Yeah, and does, then she's yeah. like, men are so shameless. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and I just realized this is not the breakup scene. This is actually where she goes to meet his friends. <laughs> right. It comes after that. Yeah. I, mis- right. I mischaracterized it. Sorry. But yeah, no, they, she, you know, he finally does relent a little bit here and, and yeah, agrees. Okay. You should be a part of my life a little more than me just hiding away with you in your room. <laughs> right. So let's go got, out and they get and some they drinks. Do. Yeah. And you got the, and you got the regular bullshit, but I love the stuff with Chucky, the, you know, <laughs> where he does the, he tells a story about, is it his uncle, drunk uncle? And he ends up leaving the police scene with a state cruiser, with a, with a state police cruiser. And um, it's in his house. So wasted. He drove the Stady's car home. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the Stady's so embarrassed that he didn't say anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who you, who the fuck you are. You don't know who I am. Let me in your garage. And my uncle's like, what? You heard me. Let me in your garage. All right, <laughs> fine. And uh, he's so fucking hammered. He drove the wrong car home. And, um, and then Morgan likes stepping all over the bit. <laughs> constantly interrupting, constantly yeah, asking questions. Yeah. The fuck's the point of your story? <laughs> <laughs> and Scholar oh, tells the blowjob joke, which is cute. It's good. It's actually really good. She knew to go super blue. <laughs> right. It was great. Just dive right into acting out. Come falling out of your mouth from a blowjob joke. Yeah, I like it. Shit. It's cool. It's, she I like ingratiates it. herself among these dudes and she's happy and it doesn't feel artificial. Right. 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 She's actually having a good time and they actually like her. Right. Yeah, they dig her. And I feel like that's one of those things too where it's kind of implied that Will just didn't realize that this could happen. That like, oh, they could actually get along. Like he, mm-hmm. he was just thinking, he already assumed the, the reality of like, well, you know, I can't you know, bring her into this. Like she's just going to have to stay separate because that wouldn't work. Yep. But and, it's uh, fine. Chuck, Chucky's like, all right, take it easy, Bill. So Skylar, thanks for coming by. You changed my opinion of Harvard people. <laughs> and uh, this gets us to that moment where Chucky, in his drunkenness, kind of just says, oh, you're never going to see that apartment. <laughs> yeah. But he knows to keep his mouth sh- shut on the brothers thing. That's that's him going like, oh, my, my friend has told this girl a lie. I better shut my fucking mouth. Yeah, <laughs> I love how that? Si- you can see his demeanor change right there. Correct. He's, first, he's like, ah, oh, you ain't never going to see that apartment. And then she's like, but I thought we were going to see your brothers. And you can see his face kind of locked he just up. Like, oh. yeah. He's mm. like, oh, great. Oh, brothers. you've been telling a lie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will not say anything about that. Yeah. Good friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's good stuff. And he's like, well, uh, he's like, you dropped me off first. You don't get all serious about it. It's really out of the way. Oh, okay. Just because you don't have to sleep in one room place tonight, don't start thinking you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and dude, I love, I love that Sean is actually repeating fucking Will's joke at the bar. I know, I know, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. And that's so fucking realistic. Like once you're actually getting to know somebody that you start picking things up like that from each other. Like that's such a sign that you're actually paying attention and you're actually, you know, learning about one another. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and just, you know, a little cute dialogue to highlight the difference in their upbringing and their quote-unquote class club soda, right? The, correcting him on the, he's like, oh, I want Perrier. He's like, oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, French for club soda. <laughs> <laughs> but um, talk to me about the gist of this conversation, which is essentially a Lambo being like this kid's like an asset, basically. Right. Right. And, you know, as much as he still is a little bit of a smarmy shit at times, I do believe him in this sense here where he talks about, he's like, this is not about me. This this kid is beyond me. And that's special. Like, I, I feel like what the, the thing that he is latched onto is that he thinks that Will is so legitimately once in a lifetime uh, genius that it's like it would be an, a, a tragedy to humanity for him to not apply his knowledge. It's to a something. real overstatement. It's a big overstatement, but I, I think in, in a lot of in a lot of ways that he he thinks that like uh, I found this thing that's so this person that's so special and for them to just drift away not understanding what they could do because he you know I, I think he is lambo is an interesting position of being somebody who is intelligent enough in the specific area this field mathematics whatever um to understand that will kind of outclasses him but also understand well enough that like well i can see what he could do like i could see how mm-hmm. he could genuinely add to the pool of human knowledge um and that's massive and 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 you know, I think he sees the danger of Will just being somebody who doesn't see the bigger picture of how they're involved in the world, even though they understand they're smart. But he um, still falls back on that arrogant professor bullshit, which totally. is the line where he says he he basically is like he, he doesn't he has a gift, he just doesn't have the direction. And then he says, and we can give that to him. Yeah, we can give it to him. Yeah, make like, him have direction. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he fuck his free will. Fuck what like he all. wants. Yeah, well, those fancy professor types bend the knee. They know what's best for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he may, that's when Sean retorts with the, oh, you know, brilliant work in mathematics, bounded harmonic functions, went on to Berkeley, assistant professor, moved to Montana, blew the competition away, which is cute. <laughs> Who was he? Ted Kaczynski. Never heard of him. That's crazy. I love that he had not heard of Ted Kaczynski. I'm like, really, man? I fucking know Google. That's, everybody knows fucking... everybody now. That's <laughs> true. Unabomber. <laughs> Unabomber. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We got to give this kid the... And plus, they make a show on everyone that ever killed somebody on Netflix now. So. Oh, my God, they do. Um, Eight-part miniseries. <laughs> yeah, Ted Kaczynski as a child. Put down the uh, Etra sketch, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> Quit drawing dicks. <laughs> I blow up a building next. Who knows? Do us all a favor, kid. Just put your fucking head in the toilet until you stop moving. <laughs> Fucking out there torturing squirrels with matches. Fuck, man. Jesus. And, um, yeah, he's trying to, he's warning him about the difference between manipulation and direction. Right, exactly. And and I do agree in that, like, Jerry is starting to lose himself in that line of, like, if you had noble intentions about this, there are times they're starting to slip. Um, yeah. And, you know, this also comes back to him essentially considering Sean a failure, where he's like, oh, you see, you, this worked out so well for you, by the way. You want the same thing to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. There's more to life than a field's medal. Well, this is too important, Sean. It's above personal rivalry. Wait, 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 wait. Talk about the boy. We don't give him time to figure out what he wants. That's a wonderful theory, Sean. It worked wonders for you. Fuck you, you arrogant prick or something like that. And that's when he said, I'm sorry, I came by. I wanted to keep you in the loop. Well, nice to, nice to be in the loop. The boy's in a meeting right now. I'm sending him up over at McNeil. 
That's it. <laughs> and, and fucking Affleck's silliest scene in the entire movie. Retainer. 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 Wearing a, the fucking suit that was like reclaimed from his great uncle's corpse. <laughs> like, <laughs> so fucking ridiculous looking. Holden McNeil, by the way, is his name in Chasing Amy Affleck. And this place is called Holden and McNeil. Oh, Cute. really? Cute, Cute Kevin Smith. Cute. About to say, yeah, we didn't even talk about the fact that Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier are co-executive producers of this. Yeah, man. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, you should still be saying thank you. Yeah, of course, uh, Kevin Smith tells it in a more humble way where he's like, I wasn't good enough to direct this movie. <laughs> when he would, but he, I guess, put it in the right, put it in front of the right people. Evidently, he actually read it to uh, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Did he? Was the door locked? Huh? <laughs> well, you know, he's come over here, come over here, Kevin, and read it again. But put uh, your foot up on my knee. God, Ooh, tell but me the it, part. Tell me the part of the story where the the deranged boy gets into a fight and has to take his shirt off. Is there more wrestling? Eh, wrestling. Mm. Tell me about Mini Driver. <laughs> Can you get Mini Driver in here? <laughs> <laughs> But no, evidently, uh, Kevin Smith straight up walked into uh, Harvey Weinstein's office and read him the entire script because at the time, every studio was turning it down and he was like, I will get it in front of somebody. I will take it to them. And he read it. This is the way I look at him, Matt. Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Smith go way back to the point where he gave him his his fucking shot. And I'm just saying, if a couple of titties had to get grabbed to give us all of those wonderful (laughs) Kevin Smith movies, I'm okay with that exchange. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure though everyone involved feels the same way. There's a girl sitting home right now going, well, he stuck a pinky in my fucking snatch, but Clerks is a great fucking movie. I'll take it. God. No? Ugh. You don't think that's the case? <laughs> I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> I love the part when Dante talks about the exploding Death Star. <laughs> it's so good. It sort of erases the memory of him squeezing my tits together. <laughs> it's definitely worth it. <laughs> definitely worth it. Yeah, who am I to judge? I don't know. I don't presume to know what people think, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly don't know. I'm just spitballing. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I had titties, I'd sprint to that fucking Weinstein trailer if I knew it was going to get me that Clerks movie. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> with them just flying out as you run <laughs> so excited to know he's a monster <laughs> oh you can shoot right in my mouth just give me fucking dogma <laughs> give kevin smith a chance and i'll suck you off <laughs> so you're doing this for the sake of kevin smith <laughs> aren't i a fucking noble hero i know about God. sacrifice matt maybe you should too Next time you're watching one of your war pictures, put the fucking movie away and go make a real sacrifice and sit on Harvey Weinstein's fucking bent, crooked, or no, circumcised cock. (laughs) Let him sweat all over you, right? For the sake of chasing Amy. (laughs) For the sake of movies. Ah, Hollywood. (laughs) You're sacred. That's right. Ugh. I'll let him put a finger in my asshole if it gets me chains on Bob Strike. You are a cheap one. Yeah. Just saying. 
Oh, fuck. I'm just saying, what I'm trying to tell you, Matt, is I'll keep the memories. Just don't take the fucking movies off my wall. <laughs> oh, fuck. He can rot, but we'll keep those You don't want to know what I did <laughs> for the next Kevin Smith picture. <laughs> for Clark 3? Yeah. <laughs> did you do the fucking dick gauntlet through Hollywood? Now <laughs> <laughs> that I'm right. shooting the poop. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Where the fuck like, are we? I was like, well, you're not going to make any babies back there. Like, Go ahead. Let her rip. Fill me up. Fill me up, Buttercup, with your fucking Jewish sheed. Just make sure I get my movie. Oh, my God. Is that too much? That's a lot. That's a lot. That's what I said. Ugh. I'm like, oof, good boy, Mr. Weinstein. You really filled me up. Oh my god! You really filled me up. I, I love when Randall does the Lord of the Rings joke. So <laughs> classic. Let the good times roll. Oh Christ! Let the good times roll. So where are we? Mini driver. <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> uh, so <laughs> to find the fucking rails. All right. Uh. All right. So. Let's talk about, can we just, she's like, wow, you're really smart. He's like, yeah, it's easy for me. Like, piano's easy for you. I just kind of know it. Crazy. She kisses them. Uh, this leads to them getting more kissy-kissy, and this leads to their breakup. Can we just get to their breakup after the retainer shit? <laughs> yeah, silly-ass retainer. retainer scene ends. Um, and this is where he, yeah, he explains to her about how it just works. I just get it. I'm just smart. <laughs> but he doesn't just- say, like, a prick. He just says, like, you know piano i don't know piano he talks about three things he doesn't know he's not being arrogant he's just again he doesn't like talking about this yeah no that's true um but this is the where you know she's like she presses him a little right yeah like why why are you like this and other Mm -hmm. people don't do this you could be in california next week and you know you might find out something about me you don't like and then you know maybe you'll wish you hadn't said that and then you know it's a serious thing and you can't take it back and i'm stuck in california with someone who doesn't really want to be with me like this is anxiety through and through right he's talking about he's, everything that could go wrong exactly projecting into the future stuff he doesn't actually know but is assuming and just imagining how it will go and that it, all all the possible ways it could go wrong right i don't want to take back i want you to come to california with me well i don't want to go why not because i i live here Dude, that's the lamest excuse he has is, oh, I have a job here and I live here. I'm like, yeah, so does everyone who lives in a place and works in a place before they move to another place to live and work. <laughs> like, that's how it works, man. Yeah. yeah. You get one of those somewhere else now. At the end of the day, it could just be like, yeah, I don't want to, I've been dating you for like two months. I'm not going to move to California with you. Right. It's been fun. Have a nice day. That would day. be fair. That would be fair. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just be like, hey, look, I'm not ready for that yet. But he can't but say it. It's not, and it's not that. And it's not. His, his reaction is clearly more. If he didn't give a shit about her, he would just be dead and be like, he would listen to her and then be like, okay, and leave. Like he doesn't, he's responding emotionally because she's striking a chord. He does feel something for her and that's scary. He's reacting out of fear, right. which quickly turns to anger. And when she's like, you don't love me, he's like, I'm not saying that. And she's like, then why won't you come? Which I don't love. But she says, what are you scared of? Which kind of triggers him, Right. Right. Because I think after, after a certain attacking, point. You, it's, it's, you're making him feel insecure by saying he's scared. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, also with her pressing him the way she does, I think it becomes less about him not agreeing to come versus, wow, why the fuck are you reacting like this? Why is your reaction to this question so volatile? Uh, well, and- he do- he pushed, but he, he comes at her kind of hard, right? She comes at him kind of hard. She says, you live in this safe little world. That's very condescending. Yeah, it's kind of condescending. Where no one challenges you and you're scared shitless, fine to do anything else but defend because that would mean you have to change. The, the little world, like little ideas. Oh, you're cute. Little ideas. Oh, you're cute. Like it's super condescending. Right. And he's like, don't tell me about my world. Like that pissed him off. Don't tell me about my world. I mean, you just want to have your fling with a guy from the other side of the tracks. When you're at your fucking trust fund, whatever bullshit he says, you can talk about how you slummed it once too. And then she's like, why are you saying this? What's your obsession with this money? My father died when I was 13. I'd give it back to have him back all this shit back and forth. And he's like, I'm afraid. What, what am I afraid of? Huh? What the fuck am I afraid of? You're afraid of me. You're afraid that I won't love you back. And I'm afraid of that too. This is her best line. You're afraid of me. You're afraid that I won't love you back. And you know what? I'm afraid too. Fuck it. I want to give it a shot. At least I'm honest with you. Meaning, I don't, we don't know what's, if it's going to work or not, but let's give it a shot. That's her yeah. being honest. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, what? I'm not being honest. She's like, not about your 12 brothers. <laughs> and then- um, and, and that's when he presses him with up. the last, yeah, the last bit you of. You want to hear that? You want to hear they fucking put cigarettes out on me? He's a little kid. Blah blah blah. <laughs> this is some fucking surgery. That motherfucker stabbed me. You want to hear about that shit? And she hey. says she does. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell me you want to hear it, right? He's he's projecting his I don't want to talk about it by saying you don't want to hear it. Right. Him saying I don't. That's subtext. That's good writing. You don't want to hear it is means in parentheses underneath it. I don't want to tell you because that makes me vulnerable. I don't want that's to say good it. dialogue writing. Right. I agree. The literal thing he's saying is not what he's saying. That's good writing. Mm-hmm. It's real. If he would have said, I don't want to share with you that because it makes me fucking vulnerable. You'd be like, Ooh, that's rough. <laughs> Nobody saw I'm afraid no- to share my feelings with you. It makes me scared and nervous. <laughs> I'm a fucking, I'm a scared to share my true feelings with you about the scar on my stomach. And I don't want to, like, people write that shit, and it's garbage. So bad. But what people do say is, don't tell me you want to hear that shit, because mm-hmm. you're covering up your own insecurity. That's it. What do I got to help? I fucking, she's like, I want to help you, and he hates that. He doesn't like the pity. Right. right. I got right. a fucking sign on my back that says, save me. <laughs> but she finally presses him all the way to the point of saying, I want to hear you say, I don't love you. And if you say it, I will leave you alone. I will not call you. And he hesitates, but he does say it. He says, I don't love yep. you. He does. Um, and it crushes her. And, and and he doesn't react to how, he doesn't react to that yet. He just leaves. Um, and I think that's another part of Will that he just, I think, puts away his reactions. He just doesn't react to something. something. He, you know, we, we watch him explode and react so volatilely to this uh, and being pressed like this. But then... You know, his own answer to her, he just has, he's stoic about it. He just kind of swallows it and leaves. We then have Will crushing Lambeau's world, burning the notes, making him feel shitty, talking about, because he's, now he's mad. Now he's on the warpath. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Do you know how easy this is for me? It's a fucking yeah. joke. It's a fucking joke. <laughs> and uh, that's it. And that, that kind of leads to this, you know, this moment with Morgan and the jerking off into the glove. But that, which doesn't really matter, but let's talk about the um, the NSA interview. The uh, you know why should I work for the NSA? That's a tough <laughs> one. I'll take a shot. <laughs> and he, you know, this is his like 
he walks himself into this, you know, and, and he has this whole thing. <laughs> and you know, this is one of those things where it is two things at once. It is both, yes, this is a, a, a psychological defense that he is using to, of course, I can't take this, this job because all of these things that could happen and projecting outward. And of course, this is why I can't even so much as take the first step. How could you even ask the question? It's a defense mechanism. He's afraid to take 100%. the first step in anywhere, you know, to, do, to take on the risk of starting anything. He just won't do it. Um, also, he's completely right about basically everything he says. <laughs> so there is that. It's not purely a defense mechanism. It is pretty fucking true. Um, right. So he's not totally wrong. Right. Yeah. The way he says it, you know, he, he's, you know, he oh, sending in the Marines to secure the area because they don't give a shit. It won't be their kid over there getting shot. Just like it wasn't them when their number got called because they were off pulling a tour in the National Guard. It'll be some kid from Southie over there taking shrapnel in the ass. He comes back to find the plan he used to work at, got exported to the country he just got back from. And the guy who put the shrapnel in his ass got his old job because he'll work for 15 cents a day and no bathroom breaks. Meanwhile, he realized the only reason he was ever in the first place was that he could install a government that would sell us oil at a good price. And of course, the oil companies use a little skirmish over there to score up domestic oil. And like on and on and on and on and on it goes. <laughs> Indeed. And you don't get the impression, like he says many things that, on the on a very principled level, I go, I sort of pump my fist at in the theater. I very remember this pumping me up. But at the same time, as an adult, you look at it and you go, well, Will probably doesn't really believe any of this. You right. Know, he probably, he, this is, we, we don't know what he actually feels about this other than what he's saying he feels about it, but we don't know if that's really true. It's just this sort of elaborate thing that he says that has a lot of truth to it that we don't know what he actually feels about it. He just kind of says it. It, it's a truth that he's wielding for a specific purpose. And I think Indeed. he more so cares about using it to deflect a question than believing in it as for what it is. Right. Yeah. Which leads to a very poignant moment, which is this, do you have a soulmate, Will? Sean and Will again. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have Chucky. And Sean agrees by saying, well, he's family. He'd lie down a fucking in, in traffic for you. And we know this. <laughs> we know this about these guys, right? Oh, yeah. That they Sean doesn't want to discredit Chucky. That would be a big mistake. Oh, yeah. But he yeah. says he would lie down in traffic for you, but I'm talking about someone who opens up things to you, touches your soul. Right. He's like, oh, I got plenty. Name them. <laughs> Shakespeare, Name Nietzsche, Frost, O'Connor, Kant, Pope, Locke. They're all dead. Not to me, they're not. And he's like, well, you can't give anything to them, though, can you? Right, right. And that's what that's what he needs to be able to do, to have mm-hmm. to give something to somebody else. And yep. you know, he even decides to basically, all right, time's up, you're out, you're not, you're not, you're done. Like you're shutting everything down and you're, you're so recoiling. much happens before that. What's that? Not that I want to make this podcast any longer, but there's so much before that. Like the mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say well, well I was mostly interested in the, the fact of how he can't answer a question after a certain point when he finally drills down on him with what do you want? Right. And what I, but, but what Sean says here is so fucking true. And this goes back to some of the earlier meetings between them, which is the, you'll never have that kind of relationship in a world where you're always afraid to take the first step because all you see is every negative thing 10 miles down the road. Right. That's, that's a type of anxiety. That's the self-defeating thing. That that's that's protection. That's a defense mechanism. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's interesting that he says it so nicely summarized here because we just saw him do that with uh, 
with Skyler. I mean, just imagining a future of how she's going to leave him for some Stanford guy and say, you know, he's imagining conversations she's going to have with imaginary people that don't even are not in either of their lives yet. Uh, and that's what he does. One of my favorite exchanges of the entire movie is when Will says, I didn't ask for this. And he's like, no, you were born with this. I so don't cop out behind. I didn't ask for this. And Will's like, what do you mean cop out? What's wrong with laying brick? And Sean goes, nothing. He goes, yeah, nothing's wrong. That's, that's somebody's home I'm building, right? My dad laid brick. Okay, bust his ass so I could have an education. And Will says, exactly. That's an honorable profession. What's wrong with fixing somebody's car? Someone had to get to work the next day because of me. There's honor in that. And Sean agrees. There is honor in that. And then there's honor in, you know, taking the 40-minute train ride so those college kids come in the morning and floors are clean and waste pass from you. That's real work. And Will goes, that's right. And Sean says, and that's honorable. And I'm sure that's why you took the job. That's the challenge. <laughs> that's one of the brilliant parts of Sean. And one of the great things about Robin Williams' performance in this movie is everything Will is saying is 100% right, in my opinion. And I really, that, that really matters to me. I, I don't like when people elevate themselves above other people based on their professions. I don't like that shit. That drives me bananas. Yeah. Some MIT professor's life and what he does may not ever be as impactful as somebody who built 50 houses in their life. It might not be, but a lot of people just tend to elevate that and make us think that's the truth. Somehow white collar has more virtue than blue collar. And, and it does in some places to those people. And in other people, they kind of laugh at those people, you know? And, yeah. and I like this back and forth. I like this discussion, but I like that despite the volleying back and forth of these ideological principles, Sean kind of challenges Will here by saying, I'm sure that's why you took the job because Sean knows that's not why he took the job. Sean just knows that Will is smart enough to talk himself into winning the argument. You see, Sean doesn't care about the principle. Sean's just good at arguing because he's smart. And you right. see this a lot. You see this a lot in argumentation. Some people win arguments because they're better at arguing, not because they have a better point or they have a better moral ground. They're just better at arguing the facts. Right. And without getting pulled off in the weeds on that, what we're seeing here is Sean challenged him on that. Like, yeah, I'm sure you took the job because of the honor of it. Exactly. No, you took it because you're hiding. You took it because you're afraid. And when, and when pushed into a corner, you react by saying, no, there is no ability in it. Yeah, but that's not why you're doing it. Fucking be honest with yourself. It isn't, mm -hmm. you know? And I like that a lot. That's why it's so good because you're like, yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, Will. Yeah, fuck yeah. Will's got the right idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Sean says it, it's like a gut punch. And you go, yeah, but that's not what you're doing it though, is it? That's true. You know? Finally cool. cornered in. And I, I mean, just like, I, and it's I, like a doctor. It's like a doctor. Sorry. I don't mean to trample you. But it's like a doctor who's like, oh, I fucking save lives. Yeah, but is that why you started doing it? It's not because of the giant paycheck and the fucking <laughs> prestige. Like, come on. Like, don't just say Job that. security, yeah. You know what I mean? Don't just say that that's why you took it. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know how many fucking, and look, they're good guys, but you know how many guys took jobs because you're like, well, I don't know what else to do. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, dude, I know, do you know how many fucking people I know in law enforcement aren't like, oh, I want to save the fucking world? They're like, well, I was in the military. I didn't have a ton of options. I wasn't going to get a degree, or maybe I did, depending on how I went into law enforcement. And it's a job that's always hiring and it's a state job with great benefits. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Plenty of fucking people. And that's, that's not, that's not bad, but don't do the thing on Facebook where you're acting like, Oh, I'm the whatever. Cause that's not where you started it. You know, it's the same kind <laughs> of argument you could say, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and that's, and that, I mean, I think that's a perfect lead to his next question of just like, well, what do you want 
to and he do. can't answer it. Like that, and he just literally, I mean, that's the one time, I think in this whole movie, the first time where you see Will just stare back. Like even when, you know, I kind of ha- had a moment where, you know, it's been so long since I'd seen it. I thought in that moment when Skyler asked him, you, you, you tell me you don't love me and I'll leave you alone, that he was just going to walk away and not be able to say it. But he actually said it to her. And I was like, oh shit, I, I forgot he actually was able to say it. This is the first moment where he has no answer. He can't, he can't even think of a lie. He just stares back at him. And he's like, see, I just asked you the most simple, direct question. You have no answer. You have no idea. You, I, could, I didn't answer that until I was like 36. <laughs> right. That's the, the part of the question? movie that really, really resonated with me. And I still yeah. didn't really know the answer. I just knew the general feeling, which was, I want to be my own boss in a profession that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the truth. And then there's the ancillary stuff, which is, I hope people benefit from it. I hope people find value in it. Right. 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 You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be my own fucking boss. <laughs> that's what I want. I knew that after spending six years climbing a corporate ladder, I was like, nope, I don't want to do that anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> Fuck so yeah, it's, but it's still a hard question to ask. And, and he pushing a 20 year old kid to answer it. And that's like, to me, I go, that's bananas, man. I don't know. I don't know how you would know. <laughs> right. It's crazy. You don't, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, it's, it's good. It's a great fucking scene. Uh, it just yeah, pushes him kick good him and hard. It's great. But again, here, the last conversation he, that we see him have with Skylar, where she ends it by saying, I love you. And he, again, just avoids it, just dodges it. He also lays into him about quitting because his wife died and Sean doesn't take the bait. Right. Right, because he knows that's the, that's the last thing he can resort to to try and get a uh, you know a jab in at, at Sean sure. at this point. But Sean knows him well enough now. Uh, it's just it's such a good writing dynamic where you see a young troubled man dealing with an older wise wiser gentleman with life experience to where as he starts to get pushed and challenged, he reacts with anger and he tries to lash out. It's very realistic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he he lashes out when he gets pushed into an uncomfortable spot. Right, right, and he and he goes for what he already knows works with Sean, even though that doesn't work anymore. Because unlike unlike uh, Will, Sean is a, a lot more emotionally developed for sure, and knows that all right, that's the that's the punch you're going to go with, and I know you're going to try to bring up my wife, and I'm prepared for that now. Wasn't right. prepared for it the first time, and, and and he knows how to handle it. Like he has a he has the experience and the maturity to you know contemplate something for the day and then take action right right it's not whereas will is just unwilling to hear it at all yeah and this gets this is the famous moment between will and chucky look you're my best friend so don't take this the wrong way but in 20 years if you're still living here coming over to my house to watch the patriots game still working construction i'll fucking kill you (laughs) that's not a that's not a threat now that's a fact i'll fucking kill you what are you talking about and in interesting that Will doesn't have the same lashing out at Chucky as he does with Sean because Chucky has way more chips in the bank with him. Oh yeah, a lot more trust and love there, you know. Exactly. You know, he's he's put his own body on the line for him, you know, numerous yeah. times. What uh, if I want to do this? And he's like, No, no, fuck you. <laughs> you no, you can't say that <laughs> shit. And he called. And he called. He's like, "You're too much of a pushy pussy to cash cash in on this lottery ticket you have, and that's bullshit." Because I do anything to have what, what what you got, and so would any of these fucking guys. And that's the thing. Again, it, he doesn't allow. Will does this. Will's smart because he does this thing where he says, "No, this is what I want to do. 
I don't want to abandon the guys is how he dresses it up as, but at the end of the day, it's because he's motivated by fear. Right. And Chucky calls him on it here. And that's just brilliant psychology without him even realizing, because he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Any one of these guys would bounce. <laughs> they would all leave. They would all bounce from this, you yeah. know? And that's cool. Like that's, so don't, don't pretend like you're doing it for these guys and you want to be here and this is what you want to do. And you're just one of the fucking guys. Yeah. But they don't want to be here, but they are here and they're doing what they can do with the options they have to put food on the table for their fucking kids at home. Right. And I like how he, he drives it back home with him. He kind of takes away the whole honorable, you know, side of it away from him because you can't sit there and say that, Oh, well, I'm just doing it because it's one of my, my, you know, the, it's the option I have, like, like it actually is for a lot of the guys who are probably sure. there that this is, this is one of their only choices. And he's like, fuck you. That's an insult. Like you have choices. Correct. You have choices that you can actually make. And a lot of these guys don't. And that's, that's insulting. Yes. He's right. Okay. Amen. And it, 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 this is that that moment where he just needed to hear it from a friend, from somebody who he really knows, like you said, somebody who has a lot more faith in, and he knows, I think that he, he just will believe it just because he has literally seen Chucky more, just seen him in his life more, knows that he has endured the same kind of things that he has. Right, right. Well, and from here we go on to the, the fucking oh, the big explosive argument between Jerry and Sean. Yep. Uh you think he's better hanging off with a bunch of retarded gorillas? <laughs> yeah. Jerry, listen, man, I, I fucking love... Oh, man, there's so much good shit here. No, oh, yeah. Why do you... Oh, why do you think he does that, Jerry? Do you have any fucking clue? I love the question, because Lambo doesn't know why. Again, yeah. Lambo's arrogance blinds him to the reality of presuming he knows what people want. Right, if right. You could list, if, you could, if you could reach into the bag of Professor Flaws... That's, that's gotta be the most recurring one. <laughs> Wait for, for, for assuming, assuming. A fl- assuming they're flawed. Right. Like if I said to you, here are 10 professors, five of them are flawed. I could, you, that's one, one of the flaws in the bag you'd pick out would be that one. Presuming to know what people, what's better, what's good for people. <laughs> right. And that they really play it up in this movie, you know? Well, and also, I mean, I love how he just so quickly, Jerry, what's no, up? Go ahead. Well, I just say how Jerry so quickly is just like as soon as Sean is is asking him, well, why do you think he's like that? And he goes, oh, just don't give me that Freudian shit. I'm like, yeah, are you going to say anything that you're trying to understand somebody's behavior or the way they are is just Freudian mm-hmm. crap? Like, what a hand wave! Like, you just hand Dude. wave anything away by saying, oh, that's you know, it's like nonsense psychology. Sean's response to that is so good. Listen, Jerry. Why does he hang out with those retarded gorillas, as you call them? Because any one of them, if asked, if he asked them to, would take a fucking bat to your head. <laughs> That's called loyalty. Real and Lambo blows that off as touching, but it's true and it's real. Mm-hmm. Very real. You know what I protected. mean? Protected. Literally. Protected. Correct. That's what he feels. Right. Right. He feels protected. That's why he loves those guys. That's why he's there. Because they're not, they're not full of shit. <laughs> they will still they're, be there. They're the next honest. Day. They're honest guys. You know. Yeah. Exactly. He pushes people away before they get a chance to leave him. Defense. That's what it is. <laughs> well, and this is again where he comes back to you know. Do you want him to feel like you feel? Do you want him to feel like a failure, not taking the opportunities he could have? Mm, you arrogant <laughs> shit. <laughs> Condescending. And uh, dude, my favorite point of Sean responding here is where he said it was a conscious choice. I'm proud I didn't of what fuck I did. Up. Yeah, like I awesome. chose my life. Yep. Hell yeah. You and your kiss ass chorus. <laughs> uh, 
Awesome. <laughs> Shove the metal up your fucking ass. <laughs> ah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a good. It blows up. Sean walks in, and uh, this <laughs> leads to Sean talking to Will, and uh, they talk about the file. And uh, Sean's like, "Meal, yeah. he, he he lays it on him." Will talks about his father. Sean talks about his father. Their shared abuse. Um, I, I love the why would you order the wrench? Because fuck him. That's why. Dude, I love that. that. Is, that's the defiance, right? That is oof, unbelievable. I remember when I, that is one of the few things I remember not understanding that when I was young. I'm like, what? Like that just that's baffled spite. me the idea of doing that. But now it makes perfect sense. Yeah, like it, that's the it fucking. Is, it's a, a kid's way of asserting their only control in that moment, their only defiance of forcing you. Yeah. I will make you do the worst thing. To it's make very you adult have to feel to be, it. To be, huh? I feel like it's very adult too. It like is that very kind of adult. defiance. Yeah. Like that's the fucking Vietnamese inoculated arms we talked about, right? Right, right. We'll chop their fucking arms. Fuck off. you. Give me the wrench, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's when it comes down to the. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Of course, the most the most recreated scene of all time, which is mock, oh and it's hilarious. But um, yeah, there's, it's there's the, a true breakthrough, you'd say. Yeah, and you know, to be honest, this is one of the few times where I feel like this scene, it having been parodied as much as it has, is actually kind of a, a bad thing. It's kind of a loss. Like It kind of dilutes this scene to where we think back on it in a sillier way or as a more melodramatic way. And in all honesty, man... I can't think of another movie that has a moment like exactly like this, it's where great. somebody just really confronts somebody in a in a very direct, very firm, kind of unflinching, unnerving way. But that's totally out of kindness, and that's totally out of allowing somebody to be vulnerable to the point where they can just cry. Like that is especially two, between two men in a movie like that. You don't see sure. that. Like that's a kind of rare thing and it's almost kind of unfortunate that we that we joke about it as much as we do as a culture white like, men don't have problems dude just so you know <laughs> yeah so. that's right no men no white men especially yeah everybody's fine everything's fine <laughs> dust it off well they're definitely living in a fantasy land because that tea is clean it's driving me nuts that is a fucking spick and span shiny tea <laughs> wait what the tea car the fucking train car he's in Oh, oh, the train, yeah. They call it the tea up here, dude. Come on, get with the, the fucking tea, program. The fucking tea. You're taking the tea to Fenway, dude. I thought you were talking about station. a I was like, is it tight? No, oh, good. sorry, no. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But he breaks down, and yep. he rides away. <laughs> and finally, finally realizing. A lot of this stuff is sort of window dressing, but it's his buddies get him a car, he goes, uh, he's thinking about taking the job. He ends up leaving the fucking note. Lo and behold, he's going to California and he left a note for his man. Um, Chucky goes to get him and he's not there. And he's like, happy. He's Dude. shocked, but happy. That's great, uh, that great is moment. Uh, such a great callback to earlier. To earlier. I mean, obviously, it's not that early uh, of, from this point, but we've seen Chucky pick him up multiple times in this movie. Like every day, that's just like a part of their routine, a part of their lives. And you know, having him have that conversation with Chucky earlier of, of like, if I still have to do this, the same thing that we do with you twenty years from now, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Like, I just want you to not be there one day. The fact that it happened exactly like that is really cool, right? It's a good moment. Yeah. And dude, great final scene with Robin Williams too. Yeah, dude. Kid fucking stole my line. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, it's so good. Yeah. And I like that we see, of course, 
Sean's closure. He he reconciles with Lambeau. They're going to get a drink. They're gonna, right. He's going to go to the reunion. Yeah. Right? I, I actually deal. do love that him and Jerry are still friends at the end of this. Absolutely. And actually like better friends. Absolutely. And, and both really cool. sort of, yeah, it's a come to Jesus moment that's important for their friendship. Because there's yeah. this weird tension between them that has now been eradicated by the confrontation, right? Right, right. Speaking of Kevin Smith, that's his great line from Mallrats. <laughs> <laughs> understanding is only reached after confrontation. She says it, the chick with three nipples. Uh, um, I think that's the line. But um, yeah, man, it's um, it's cool. It's a good ending. It's, it's kick, kicks ass. Yeah. If the president calls about that job, just tell him, sorry, I had to go see about a girl. And um, that's the movie. <laughs> that's the movie. And on Ed that Foster. great Elliot Smith song that won an Oscar. Or at Eddie least Foster. That's right. Thank you, Mr. Foster. Yeah, thank God for Elliot Smith because the Danny Elfman scores. Yikes! Yeah, Glad. oops. <laughs> I'll take. Could you just add some more Elliot Smith? Let's do a director's cut version. Just throw in more Elliot Smith and take out some of those fucking Elfman tracks. Yikesers! Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do some comments. Let's do it. I got Aaron one. Fallon. Oh, do it. Who responded two hours ago? So lucky her. She responded before the pod ended and and after we started it. Ooh. So well done, Aaron. After all this talk, I had to finally watch, and gotta say, it fucking got me. I will agree with Daniel Cutter about Will being pretty douche, pretty douchey, but Damon, and I'm sure goes without saying, basically every other performance, especially Robin Williams, is extremely moving and wonderful. I have to say the driver's pleading scene and Affleck's I wake up scene were extremely affecting and really touched some nerves for me in my own way. Glad to finally get this one under my belt. It is a really great watch. Aaron, I'm glad you watched it. I didn't realize you hadn't, and... um you won't get your Massachusetts card revoked. So well done. <laughs> Beautiful. I got one from uh, Mr. Jim Call. I've loved this movie since I saw it when it came out in the theater. God damned, this thing has been squeezing the tears out of me since first watch. Everyone is good in it, even Ben Affleck. But Williams is great. He was already solidified as drama gold for me because of Awakenings and Dead Poets Society, also Good Morning Vietnam to a lesser degree, and Hunting Quickly was added to that list. I watched this movie within the last few months, and it still crushed me. Fucking damn good movie. I don't like those apples, though. Daniel Cutter didn't like it. I don't know if you got that. (laughs) I saw that. (laughs) You want to read it? Oh, no. I mean, uh, sure. It does. It, other than she's basically just saying, Damon's character is a douche. Uh, Mini Driver is a one-dimensional catalyst for Damon's change. Williams is wonderful, and the best part about it is Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season from Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That's actually pretty fucking funny. Um, I think we kind of addressed her con- not her yeah. concerns. I'm not saying she agrees, but I'm just saying I think we have a different take on Mini Driver's role in this film. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think her, her choosing to leave, her choosing to do as she will. And yeah, I, I feel like there's, there's enough strength and will in her where I, th- I think it's outside of will hunting. Yeah. Like, she's, she seems like a, a good character. I mean, it might just be Minnie Driver being a fucking good actor, just filling out that role, but who that's do you how got? it works. Who else? Yep. Let's see. There was one other person I just lost. Well, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to read, I'm going to read our boy. Johnny Butters. Oh, good, because there's a line in the movie that I haven't said yet because I was going to read this one next, and I didn't want to steal his thunder. Oh. But it's during the Red Sox game. It, it's at the end when they're discussing it. It's such a great line because it's so real. <laughs> Johnny he, Butters he, classic, he, JBC, he yeah. trademark. This movie is so basic, <laughs> but it's brilliant. 
Its focus is two men sitting in the same room talking. Parameters this podcast won't even be held to. Fucking hacks. I think it can be easy to dismiss a movie like this as basic, predictable, etc. But the offsetting factor is interesting characters, powerfully portrayed, literally and emotionally stuck in relatable ways. I mean, you ever know somebody who had the world in front of them and then got the shit kicked out of them young? Williams destroys. I go back and forth whether or not this, uh, this or Good Morning America, Good Morning Vietnam is his number one role. Would it be nice to catch that game? I didn't know Pudge was going to hit a homa. Best that's line. So good. Yeah, that's such a great line. <laughs> because even after he tells him the whole story about his wife, he's still like, Will still is like, would have been nice to catch that game. And that's the fucking f- great delivery from Williams. I didn't know Pudge was going to hit a homa. That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> you know, Almost leading, lending credence to the fact that he might trade his entire life with his wife for that, which is funny. You know, he obviously right. wouldn't, but that's why the line's so good. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> Anybody um, else? A lot of love for a lot of love for um, a lot of love for love for Robin Williams in this. Um, but I don't. Nothing jumps to mind to read. I don't think. Um, <laughs> Dean, it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. Somebody said Jason <laughs> Furman. That's funny. Um, Floyd Fry has a great point. Because uh, should have played Going to California from Zeppelin at the end. That would have been great. <laughs> Going to California. Yeah, it's true. a cool song. It's it's a pretty song and it's, it's really quiet. It's not ruckus and it's a, and he's going to California. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's even about going to California to get your to get your baby. I think get your baby back. Sure, uh, Matt Elias or Elias says that good choice to include less Ben Affleck <laughs> than absolutely necessary. <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Old Benny boy. <laughs> Anybody else you got? Andrew Smith hated it too. I think that was the one I was going to read. Oh, uh, go for it. But if we don't want to add onto the, onto the height. Um, oh, I don't care. Who cares? It's the listeners. They got opinions. They do. They do. Even when they're retarded. Teasing. <laughs> but seriously. Oh, fuck. There we go. Here we go. This is it. Andrew Smith. Let me first say, I love everyone in this movie, but it's a piece of shit. Maybe it's a New England thing, and I just don't understand. But what the fuck are they even trying to say? There are so many good moments that, in the end, add up to a set of nuts on your chin. Poor Bostonians. Daddy burned me with cigarettes. I'm going to go smack other people around. Meh. Oh, please. My father wasn't interested enough to in, interested enough in me to put cigarettes out of my back. Oh, Whoa, yeah. Oh, pause right there. Oh, fucking Andy Smith. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry Daddy didn't pay attention to you. Oh, did he not? What the fuck? What did we just talk about? We were like, this is the greatest Gen X. Oh, Nathan and I were talking about an episode of Star Trek, and we were like, we were making fun of Wesley, because we are like, Wesley's the greatest Gen X, like, fucking fantasy of all time, because he's always seeking approval from, like, the, the men in the show. And we're like, oh, daddy didn't listen to him, like a fucking Gen Xer. Just like Andy Smith with his black nails. Let me tell you something, Andy. The reason your dad didn't listen to you is because you didn't get up on that fucking roof with a hammer. Quit painting your nails black. Put on a tool belt, goddammit. <laughs> fucking old man scolding hour. I'm just... I'm just, just paying stop. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. I'm just fucking making jokes. <laughs> he knows I love him. I met. I met Andy. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. He's a little weird, but that's okay. <laughs> he didn't try to cut me up. A lot of friends around, but go ahead. We got finished. No, he's out. a he's a good shit. He's a good shit. He's from he's uh, Fort Lauderdale, I think. He's a trucker. Drives truck. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. You just talked yeah. about that. 
Uh, and he said, oh, oh, and yeah, and if it's the ghetto kids in East L.A. acting up, it's menace to society. Oh, my, they're just a bunch of thugs. Pretty white kids from New England. Oh, they're underprivileged and abused. Yay, it's goodwill hunting. <laughs> Oscars for everyone. Suck my dick, you whiny fucking homos. He sounds like he's working some shit out. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, though. I love how it turned into a Bostonian person screaming at the end of your your comment, Andrew. <laughs> it's good. Boys in the Hood is what he's thinking. Although Menace is good too. I like Menace Society. I haven't seen Boys in the Hood actually. Ugh. I know. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, well, there we are. Talk to you. <laughs> All right. Well, we're done. We're done. We're done. This movie's done. It doesn't require final thoughts. It just requires us to say goodbye. But please note, guys. Important thing to note, I wrote it down, that we are, we will be returning on September 9th, so no episode next week. We'll be returning on September 9th with a bit of a special episode, and that's all I'm going to say about that. But yeah, no episode Mm. next week, coming back on September 9th, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. There we have it. it. Cool. So um, you'll be hearing from us in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed it, and special thanks again to Eddie Spaghetti Foster. Matthew, tell these good people goodbye. It probably is your fault. <laughs>